You ready? 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 One, two, three, four! Anyway, with the friend.
Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody. Surprise, surprise. And welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly. Yes, I know I was. Uh, I, I had said last week that we would not be doing the show tonight. However, things changed. My training got moved up, and we are here live tonight. So we have a full, packed show for you tonight. We got to talk some NHL trades at the NHL trade deadline uh, spring training going on in Major League Baseball right now, and there's a lot of injuries to talk about as well. Uh, we have a look at the NBA playoff landscape if the season were to have ended today. And we also have Major League Soccer that is starting up uh, that is starting up these past two weeks. So uh, a quick reminder, for anybody who hasn't subscribed yet to the Missy AE podcast, you can do so by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE, or you can subscribe on iTunes, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and pretty much any other major podcast out there. So I currently have, uh, I believe I have Diane with me. Diane, is that you? Yes. Welcome to the show tonight, Diane. Uh, hopefully, I, I hope Lou got my uh, got my message. I did send him a message that said that I'll send I him would, a message uh, too. Hopefully, he'll get it. Okay. Uh, I did t- I did text him uh, the other night, letting him know that the, that there was a change of plan. So hopefully he did. Uh, hopefully he ended up getting mine. Uh, but Diane, it was a a very big uh a very big week for your New Jersey Devils. Uh there were quite a few acquisitions that were made by the Devils and to start off with uh maybe their biggest acquisition of the week was acquiring forward Timo Meyer from the San Jose Sharks and mm-hmm. The biggest, you know, the the biggest thing about this is, obviously, you look at where New Jersey is in the standings right now, and New Jersey is considered a, to be a bona fide playoff team. If they if the mm-hmm. season were to end today, New Jersey would be firmly in the playoffs, and obviously, with the trade deadline, you know, you always have to wonder, okay, how can each team improve? I think the one thing New Jersey's been missing is they they're missing one impact forward and they ended up getting that in Timo Meyer as through I believe he, they, he yeah he's played 57 games this season with 31 goals, 21 assists for 52 points uh formerly with the San Jose Sharks. Now, I believe he has not made his devil's debut just yet however he has been cleared for contact 
uh, in practice. So he is expected to make his Devils debut at some point in the near future. However, uh, he was acquired along with Timur Ibragamov, as well as defenseman Scott Harrington, who I believe was claimed off of waivers, I think, by, I want to say Winnipeg. I could be wrong. Uh, as well as Santeri Hataka, goalie Zachary Edmond, and a fifth-round pick in the 2024 NHL draft. Uh, all of those assets came from the San Jose Sharks to the New Jersey Devils. And in exchange, the New Jersey Devils sent forwards Fabian Zetterland, Andreas Johnson, uh, defenseman Shakir Mukamadulin, and Nikita Okhotiuk, as well as a conditional first-round pick in this year's draft, a conditional second-round pick in next year's draft, and also a seventh-round pick in next year's draft. Now, that may seem like a like a very big, uh, a, you know, a, a very big price to pay for somebody like Timo Meyer, but your New Jersey Devils, Diane, currently sit two points behind Carolina for the top of the Metropolitan Division. Mm-hmm. And if there was ever a season for New Jersey to go all in, this would probably be that season. So what do you, what do you think about uh, New Jersey taking a big swing at the trade deadline and going out and getting one of the top forwards on the trade market. I think that's good for New Jersey. Yeah, it's definite. It's definitely good for New Jersey. And as a matter of fact, I believe it also will come with a contract extension too, so that uh, he would be staying in New Jersey. Let me double check that real quick. Uh, I think it might be – okay, no, he didn't sign a contract extension. However, he is a restricted free agent. So New Jersey will have the exclusive signing rights to him, and if they can't come to an agreement and they reach free agency, he they, they can end up uh, getting back uh, significant uh, draft compensation in exchange if he were to sign elsewhere in free agency. So regardless of of whether he stays in New Jersey or not, they're t- you know, they they figure that they have a shot to win the Stanley Cup this season and it's a necessary a necessary risk by New Jersey who hasn't been to the Stanley Cup in how many years? A long I time. Mean, yeah, it's it, it has been a long time, quite frankly, since not not only since they've uh, been to the Stanley Cup, but since they uh, they've even been in the playoffs to begin with. But uh, not only did they get Timo Meyer and a bunch of others, but they did also acquire uh, Curtis Lazar from the Vancouver Canucks at the trade deadline in exchange for a fourth-round pick in the 2024 NHL draft. 
And Curtis Lazar, honestly, may not seem like a big uh, like a, like a big acquisition, but really the the only things that New Jersey really needed, if anything, was forward depth and also maybe a second line forward. And they accomplished both of those by mm-hmm. grabbing Curtis Lazar and grabbing Timo Meyer. Mm-hmm. Now, Curtis Curtis Lazar this season uh, with the Vancouver Canucks, I mean, he is a fourth-line player, so you can't really expect much out of him. Three goals, two assists for five points, and he, he was a negative five, however, in 45 games played with Vancouver. Uh, I believe, yeah, he has not played since February 15th, so... Uh, I don't know when he will be in a new, in a uh, New Jersey uh, uniform, but uh, he is expected to report to uh, the New Jersey Devils following this trade. So uh, I mean, you know, Diane, look at looking at at where New Jersey stands right now. Uh, you know, they're second in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, if the season were to end today, they would probably face off against the Rangers in the first round. Uh, how confident are you that New Jersey could potentially go on a uh, potentially go on a on a big uh, on a big playoff run? I'm confident they could do that. I mean, this is. Uh, you know, th- this is probably the best team that they've had in quite a while. I mean, taking a, taking a look at some of their stats, uh, goals for they they've scored 218 goals for, and they've given up 166 goals uh, this season for a goal differential of plus 52. Team 11 and two at home, and 22 four and four uh, away from home. So they they've been more of the road warriors uh this year and they're 6-2 mm-hmm. and 2 in their last 10 games. Uh mm-hmm. let's see. And Steve wins the draft season this year. Huh? And What was that? Wins the draft this year. Uh, let me double check. I believe, well, actually, let me think. Last year they were in Montreal, I think. Uh, yeah. this yeah, year. Yeah, where? When? Oh, it's in June. Uh, June okay. 28th. Yeah, June 28th okay. to the 29th. Uh, they, the, uh, draft this year is in Nashville, Tennessee, home of the, okay. uh, Nashville Predators. Right. Okay. And as it stands right now, uh, New Jersey probably won't be picking until the second or third round. So, uh, regardless, though, uh, I mean, if if they ended up giving up that first round pick, it probably had to. uh, You know, they they were they're probably expecting that. Uh, that first round pick will be a late first round pick, so it doesn't even uh, it doesn't even really mean that much for the uh, most part. When's your team gonna be picking? Well, uh, 
we do not have a first round pick this year because actually we don't have a first round pick next year either uh, because the Boston Bruins have basically decided to go all in this year uh, on the verge of a, of a historic season. Uh, In particular, they are the first team or they're the fastest team in NHL history to hit a hundred points in a season. It took them only 61 games to do so. And as a matter of fact, uh, coach Jim Montgomery is the only first-year coach in NHL history uh, with three separate winning streaks of seven or more games in particular in a single season. Uh, They basically, you know, they they went all in starting with the Dmitry Orlov trade that sent Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway to Boston uh, with 75% of Orlov's uh, contract retained between uh, the Minnesota Wild and the Washington Capitals. And in exchange, Boston sent a first-round pick in this year's draft, a second-round pick in 2025, and a third-round pick in next year's draft, uh, mm-hmm. along, with, along with forward Craig Smith. And so far, Dmitry Orlov has, or both Orlov and uh, and Hathaway have proven to be uh, very useful in their uh, Bruins tenure so far. But if anything, Orlov has been the most profitable so far with three goals and six assists uh, in the four games that he's played in since being acquired by Boston. So... You know, it's obviously, you know, Boston is basically cashing in all their chips, you could say, uh, with this uh, with this year's opportunity at getting at getting to a potential Stanley Cup. Uh, They, however, though, they were not done there. Uh, They did also trade uh, goaltender Keith Kincaid to the Colorado Avalanche for forward Shane Bowers. Bowers is mainly mainly depth, basically, uh, being kept in, uh, in Providence. So mm-hmm. uh, that Keith wasn't really King a big... King. He was the devil. You know, that, it, he, that's not really a, uh, you know, a big, a big move. Uh, but Boston, however, though, did go even further after news came out that Taylor Hall, uh, formerly of the New Jersey Devils uh, yeah. and also Arizona Coyotes, uh, once news came out that he will miss the remainder of the season with a lower body injury, the Bruins decided to strike quickly and they acquired forward Tyler Bertuzzi from the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for a conditional first round pick in the 2024 draft, which will be top 10 protected. So somehow if Boston completely falls off next year, uh, they will basically, if the pick falls in the top 10, then the pick will stay with Boston, which Quite frankly, I'm not really expecting it to. I'm expecting it to to convey over uh, over to Detroit. So 
Uh, Detroit will have the first-round pick, and they will also have a fourth-round pick in the 2025 draft as well in exchange mm-hmm. for Tyler Bertuzzi, which, mm-hmm. in my opinion, you know, this – I mean, I would consider – uh, along with New Jersey, I would consider Boston to be one of the winners of the trade deadline this year because they, they're they pretty much going uh, – just like New Jersey, they're pretty much going for it all. Mm-hmm. And honestly, with the way that – with the way that this season has gone so far, including a uh, 4-2 to two victory earlier today over the New York Rangers, anything else other than the Stanley Cup will be an absolute failure for the Boston Bruins. So, uh, you know, basically there won't be any moral victories uh, this year for uh, for Boston, especially with Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci potentially in the final stages of their uh, – uh, in the final season, I should say, of their career. Uh, it's – yeah, it, it's uh, it's basically Stanley Cup or bust in Boston. Do you think they can get the Stanley Cup? Uh, you know, I do, but – at the same time, I can't, you know, I can't ignore the threats that are remain that that stand in front of them. I mean, Carolina had our had Boston's number last year. Uh, New Jersey is tough, and they only improved uh, at the at the deadline. The Rangers also improved, even though Boston beat them four to two today. Uh, they were a shorthanded team. Uh, the rain, the New York Rangers uh, being short one forward and one defenseman today. Uh, you know, Toronto is also tough. Tampa is tough. Uh, then, of course, in the Western Conference, I mean, Vegas. Vegas has given Boston a hard time this year. Uh, Seattle has given them a hard time. You know, in Colorado, if they can get back to uh, full health, Colorado, uh, of course, the defending Stanley Cup champions. You know, it's like they say you're you're not the champions until you until you beat the champions. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that uh, you know, like I like I said earlier today on Lou's show, I'm not one of those Boston Bruins fans that's going to be like, oh, we're definitely winning the cup this year. There's absolutely there's absolutely no one who can beat us. Uh, when I know full well that there are definitely teams in this, because uh, it's a completely different story once the playoffs begin. And mm-hmm. I know that Carolina, they've they've had our number the last few seasons for some reason. Uh, Boston has barely been able to beat them. Uh, obviously, that might be a different story this season, potentially, with the historic rate that Boston is on. I mean, through 62 games, Diane, uh, Boston is 49-8-5 and right now, 103 points with a goal differential of 105. That, I, I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know how how to really describe that right now. Because uh, the next best team or the next closest team is 
15 points away, and that's Carolina. Mm-hmm. So as it stands right now, I mean, Boston is on pace to not only break the record for amount of wins in a season, but break the record for amount of points in a season as well, which I believe the record is 132 or 131. And uh, the record for wins in the season, I believe, is 62, which they're already, you know, they're 13 wins away from tying it. So uh, I think that, you know, the big thing is is that Boston is, is focused, if anything, on getting to the Stanley Cup and winning the Stanley Cup, uh, which is different because, you know, they've been asked a couple of times this week, you know, are you guys focused on uh, on potentially breaking the the record that Montreal holds uh, for you know most wins or for best record in a, in a season? And they've been known to be, uh, you know uh, pretty much any single Boston player that's been asked that this week has said our main goal is the Stanley Cup. I mean, sure, it's you know, it's nice to 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 have a record, but records can be broken. Uh, hardware won't go away, mm-hmm. and you know that's the most important thing. Obviously, is to not just get another Stanley Cup, but for uh, the players to get another ring. Uh, in in particular, Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, Brad Marchand, and any of the other. Uh, Matter of fact, I think I think those are the only Bruins that are left from the original championship team back in 2011. So, uh, you know, I do think Boston has a good shot. Problem is, I I, I mean, right now, if the season were to end, uh, they would be probably playing Berg in the first round, which Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. even though they only have 71 points, uh, Pittsburgh can be dangerous with some of the with some of the talent that they have um you know Sidney Crosby is always very uh you know always one of their top scorers Evgeny Malkin um you know they did acquire Nick Nick Bonino uh at the trade deadline this year they they also they also acquired Mikhail Granlund as well. Uh, they have uh, they also have Ricard Raquel, Brandon Rust, uh, Jeff Jason Zucker. You know they they still have they have quite a lot of talent on that roster. So uh, regardless of where everything is right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not it's it's not going to be an easy ride, regardless of of who the Bruins may face in the first round. Mm-hmm. So, uh, however, in the going uh, going to the NHL standings real quick here, uh, pretty much when we mention the. NHL entry draft, which is set for the end of June, 
Uh, right now in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, it looks like it is to Columbus versus Chicago, San Jose, and maybe Anaheim and Arizona. Uh, basically, for anybody who doesn't know, Connor Bedard is considered to be, widely considered to be, the uh, consensus number one overall pick in this upcoming entry draft. And I mean, you know, this kid's just putting up monster numbers uh, for the Regina Pats of the uh, Western Hockey League up in Canada. Uh, You know, just last season, he had 100 points in 62 games played. And let me actually look and see what he's doing right now. But I assume, you know, he's he's probably got the same... Uh, the same stat numbers or at least close to the same stat numbers so far this season. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be a game changer for anybody who is uh, wh- whoever, whatever team has the chance to grab him. Yeah, actually he's recorded even, even better stats this year, 58 goals, and 61 assists uh, for 119 points in 46 games played. So there's still 16 games or so to go in in his season uh, for Regina or Regina, however however they pronounce it up there in Canada. And mm-hmm. I mean, th- this kid's supposed to be the next phenom uh, of the National Hockey League. But looking at it, looking at the uh, the standings right now, if the playoffs were to begin today, uh, first in the Eastern Conference, you have in the Metropolitan Division, the Carolina Hurricanes lead the way there with 88 points, trailed by the New Jersey Devils with 86 points, just two points back. Uh, also in Third place in the Metropolitan Division, you have the New York Rangers with 79 points. Uh, Reminder that the top three teams in each division automatically make the playoffs. Uh, Those teams uh, that are currently occupying the wild card are the New York Islanders with 72 points and the Pittsburgh Penguins with 71 points. Sixth in the Metropolitan Division, you have the Washington Capitals with 68 points, the Philadelphia Flyers with 50, with 57 points, who for some reason did not sell at all at the trade deadline uh, yesterday. I was completely shocked at that. And in dead last in the Metropolitan is the Columbus Blue Jackets with 46 points. In the Atlantic Division, top three teams you have boston with 103 toronto with 84 tampa bay with 79 and just scratching on the on the door waiting to uh to potentially try and uh and make their way into the playoff picture here the buffalo sabers in fourth place with 68 points along with the florida panthers who also have 68 points the mm-hmm. Ottawa Senators, they were pretty active at the deadline. Uh, they're not that far behind either with 66 points. Detroit, 
their playoff hopes are looking are looking grim, but they were sellers at the deadline with only 65 points. And Montreal, dead last with 56 points in the Atlantic mm-hmm. Division. Mm-hmm. Out in the Western Conference, uh, for the Central Division, you have the Dallas Stars with 81 points, followed by the Minnesota Wild with 76 points, and the Colorado Avalanche, the Stanley Cup uh, defending Stanley Cup champions, with 73 points. Uh, on the outside, looking in, in particular, let me see. Uh, hopefully, I have this right. Uh, one of the wild card teams is the Winnipeg Jets with 72 points. Uh, Nashville currently with 66. St. Louis with 59. Arizona with 51, and Chicago with 47. Uh, over in the Pacific, the top three teams there: Vegas with 80. Los Angeles with 78, Seattle with 76, and Edmonton also with 76. But because of a tiebreaker, uh, or actually, no, because of percentage points, they rank below Seattle, and they currently occupy the first wild card spot in the Western Conference. The Calgary Flames, they have 67 points. They are on the outside looking in, and I'm surprised that they did not sell at all uh, at the deadline either. Vancouver, another shocker uh, that they didn't sell, but they had 53 points. And Anaheim had 50, and San Jose with 48. So basically, as it stands right now, if the season were to end today, your team, your playoff teams would be Carolina, New Jersey, Uh, both New York teams and Pittsburgh, Boston, Toronto, and Tampa. And in the Western Conference, you would have Dallas, Minnesota, Colorado, and Winnipeg. You'd also have Vegas, Los Angeles, Seattle, and Edmonton. So it's still, even though the Bruins are running away with the regular season, it seems, it's still, keep in mind, it's still the regular season. So you do have the chance for maybe perhaps, you know, maybe maybe perhaps there will be uh, – we've seen upsets happen before in the playoffs. I mean, look at look at Tampa Bay from a few years ago where they had the best record in the league. They had the President's Trophy and they ended up being swept in the first round by, I think it was the New York Islanders that year. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's always the opportunity, there's always a chance maybe perhaps Boston loses in the first round. Uh, You know, it's, there's a reason why games are played because games, uh, games can't be decided until they're actually played out there on the ice. Uh, some mm-hmm. scores, some scores from around the league. Uh, this one is probably about to go final, but about three minutes left. Vancouver with a four-one lead over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Winnipeg with a six-to-five lead over the Edmonton Oilers, with about nine and a half to go in the third period. Columbus uh, with a five-two deficit against the 
Ottawa Senators with about three and three and a half minutes left to go in the third. Uh, at the end of the second period in Chicago, the Blackhawks trail the Nashville Predators two to one, with Nashville beginning the third period on the power play. Uh, still to come tonight, the Minnesota Wild visit the Calgary Flames, and the St. Louis Blues visit the Los Angeles Kings. Mm-hmm. Finals from earlier today, the Buffalo Sabres upset the Tampa Bay Lightning 5-3. to The New York Islanders with a 4-1 to victory over the Detroit Red Wings. The Boston Bruins with a 4-2 to victory over the New York Rangers. The Dallas Stars with a 7-3 to victory over the Colorado Avalanche. And quite frankly, I would consider that an upset, even though Dallas is higher ranked in the standings. Uh, the Washington Capitals with an 8-3 to victory over the San Jose Sharks, and the Florida Panthers with a 4-1 to victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, let's see. Just really quickly here. Uh, also within the NHL, The Boston Bruins, they agreed to an eight-year, $90 million extension with forward David Pasternak uh, that will grant him an average annual value of $11.25 million per season, uh, which ensures that their number one forward will stay in a Boston Bruins uniform for the next eight years. So he will be a free agent. Uh, next at the age of 34. Some other trades, though, from around the league. And, Diane, I want to get your thoughts on one of these trades in particular because uh, because of the, the sheer price that was paid. Uh, the New York Rangers, they acquired forward, and this is a three-time Stanley Cup winning forward, Patrick Kane, as well as defenseman Berzek from the Chicago Blackhawks in a three-team deal uh, that also included the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, The Blackhawks, they received defenseman Andy Walensky, a conditional second-round pick in this year's draft that can turn into a first-round pick, depending uh, depending on, in particular, Uh, where the Rangers end up finishing. So basically, if the Rangers win two playoff rounds this year, the conditional second-round pick will turn into a first-round pick in either 2024 or 2025, uh, as well as a fourth-round pick in this year's draft. Uh, The Coyotes also retained a portion of of, of, uh, Patrick Kane's remaining $10.5 million salary to help the Rangers fit him uh, within their cap. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, The Blackhawks also received defenseman Vili Sayari Jarvi from the Arizona Coyotes as well. And the Coyotes received a third-round pick in the 2025 NHL draft. Uh, but the main, the main gripe I have with this, Diane, is 
the fact that Patrick Kane, who is a multi-time Stanley Cup winner, and he's still producing at a high level in uh, at the age of 34, is only worth a conditional second-round pick and a fourth-round pick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Because wouldn't you expect that a guy with that ex- with that amount of experience and still producing at a high level? I mean, he has 16 goals and 29 assists right now, uh, currently on the Rangers. Wouldn't you expect a guy like that to go for a higher price, like a guaranteed first round pick? Yeah. Uh huh. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of mind-boggling when you think about it. And, uh, by the way, I, I do know that some uh, that some people are listening in. Uh, some of my friends are uh, are actually listening in. Guys, if you want to call in, use the number 657-383-1308. I know a few of you are hockey fans. Uh, a few of you are also soccer fans. We're going to get to some soccer talk in a little bit as well. Um, but we have a, we still have a lot, uh, to, uh, to cover on tonight's show. And actually, you know, this might be, uh, the biggest amount of trade. I I, I don't know what the exact record is for, uh, trades at a trade deadline, but uh, we had to have come close this year, I think, to, uh, to a record because I mean, hell they had, I think they had close to close to 50. Um, I think 50 trades before, before the, uh, the trade deadline even, even came on, uh, on Friday. Uh, let me bring up the trade tracker here. Make just to make sure I'm not missing anything. Uh, Let's see. We already got that marked down as done. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks they traded defenseman Luke Shen to the Toronto Maple Leafs for a two for a 2023 third round pick. Uh, Toronto was not done though. They also traded defenseman Rasmus Sandin to Washington in exchange for the first round pick in 2023 that Washington got from Boston in the Dmitry Orlov deal, uh, along with defenseman Eric Gustafson. Uh, this kind of confused me a little bit here because Toronto, you know, they're, they're supposed to be a contending team, but it was more, you know, they weren't really adding that much. It's, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's kind of odd. You know, for you see all these, you see all these trades going on, and you know, you're a team that you're, you're you're a team that's wanting to get better, but instead, you're basically. I mean, yeah, they did get better by get by getting Ryan O'Reilly before uh, a week before the deadline, but other than that, it kind of seemed like Toronto was sort of breaking even almost. 
let me bring in Alex. Let me bring in Alex here and uh, and get and get his thoughts. Alex, how you doing? Oh, good. What's up, guys? Been, been, uh, oh, I good. Seen my I haven't seen my family in ages, so thanks for. Uh, sorry, I've been out of the pocket a little bit, but glad to be on for a little bit tonight. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, uh, we've been uh, we've been discussing the NHL trade deadline. I don't know if you uh, if you paid much attention. Um, yeah. Last or this past week, but uh, you know, one of the deals in particular, you know, we brought up the New Jersey Devils acquiring Timo Meyer, uh, the New York Rangers they acquired Patrick Kane, and yeah. in all honesty, in all honesty, Alex, uh, they only had to give up a conditional second round pick and a fourth round pick, and. Wow. Uh, so the second round pick is in this year's draft. However, it can become a first round pick in either next year's or the year after in, in either 2024 or 2025. If the Rangers win two playoff series this, uh, this season. Uh, yeah. To me though, what's you kind of weird will? about this. I think they could. We'll see. I think the, their defense. I think that. Yeah, the defense yeah, well, exactly. We, that's that's a huge problem. Yeah, I've been reading about the deals. I think just focus on more. I, I definitely I love hockey overall, as you know. It's not not my most like knowledgeable pro sport yet, but um, so I've been focused more. So I've been more knowledgeable about what the Rangers did, Steve. So just looking at their moves, they got the winger uh, the week prior, and then they just landed Kane. But again, Chris Drury, the GM, is being ultra aggressive, and now they have, I mean, three good lines of scores, and I've heard their fourth line is pretty legit now, but. You guys know hockey very well, um, right? You, know, you can't win six. You can't win six to five or seven to three in the playoffs. They need to make right. sure they have four, four or five, or preferably six solid defensemen. So that's a bit of a weak link. And their goalie's been getting a little bit. He's not been. I don't know. He's he's very good. He's not. I don't. I don't think he's elite. So he's still prone to getting lit up on occasion. So. I don't know um, if it's enough, but they they definitely have. This is the best three first lines that they've had in probably a decade. I don't know. I've seen this happen though before though. They've added. They usually add forwards, and then it tends to not be enough because in the playoffs, like most sports, it kind of slows down and becomes more of a defensive battle. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it is kind of terrifying. Their firepower is pretty terrifying. Yeah, they have a lethal lineup. I didn't even realize Panarin was uh he was playing for a few years with uh, Kane back in the day. Yep. So that's a nice combo there. And then, um, you know, Genabad and uh, the the young guys, I think it's going to come down to the third line's big now with LaFerriere and uh, Paco. Um, but, again, they're not just simply put, again, bottom line, it's, they're not going to be able to win 6-4 to four or 7-3. to three. So their defense has to step up. I mean, do you see them being a legitimate Stanley Cup contender or, like, winning a round or two? Uh, you know, it, it really depends on who they match up with. Because, uh, you know, just just like you said, the big, the big problem with them was the fact that they didn't really add on defense. I mean, yeah, yeah. they did get Nico, they did get Nico Mikola as part of the uh, Vladimir Tarasenko deal. But other than pretty that, good? you know, uh, I mean, he's more—he's considered to be more of a prospect as opposed to, uh, you know, an everyday NHL player. 
I know I've mentioned it to Lou. Um, back in the day when I had a show for a, for a few months back in the day, how how Lou and I first met, which was awesome. I'm glad that glad that happened. But uh, I remember talking to him about it, uh, maybe like a year and a half, two years ago. I mean, the best right. Rangers team that we've all probably seen, the one that finally raised that cup, raised that banner in '94. They had guys yep. like Bukaboom. They had Bukaboom. They had guys who, if you got near the crease, you're going to get your head taken off. And then. Furthermore, they had two way forwards. So now, you know, they have all these scores, but I don't even see like they don't even have a Ryan Reeves. People don't really love the guy. Some people he's polarizing. Some people think he's kind of just a thug. But I, I don't know about you. I like a couple of guys that can that can nail people and scare people on the ice. And they're like they're all flash. I don't know if they're going to have enough defense to to win it all. Yeah, you know that's or, a bit, that's a big problem is that you do need you do need grittiness. Yeah, they don't have top good defensive defensemen. Is having a few guys that are going to get major ice time, you know, that can that can play right. really good. You know what I'm you know what I'm talking about. The best two way players are almost like having a third defenseman on the ice. And the Rangers really yeah. just have score, 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 sniper, score, sniper. All their forwards are one way players. I mean, I think see. about it. It's just it's just like uh, just like just like you just said, having a two way forward. Is like having is like having a uh, a third defenseman out there on the ice. Awesome. Just think, uh, you know, a good comparison is Patrice Bergeron of the Boston yeah. Bruins. Phenomenal. You know him him having 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 uh, won multiple Selkies. Uh, actually, he's won the most Selkie trophies in a uh, in an NHL career. Uh, wow! So you know, then that obviously that goes to the uh, the best uh, two way forward in the league. And the you know the thing about that the thing about that is uh, players like that dr- dramatically change the flow of play out there on the ice when they're out there. Absolutely, and you can get them out there and, to match up. It used to be like you get them out there like a. I remember like a not to keep beating the '94, but that's I mean that's the pinnacle. That's the that's the, the best Rangers. So I'll go back to that of what they want to be again. Uh, they could throw out like a Glenn Anderson or an Esteekinen to go against like a Pavel Burry. So you want to be able to neutralize guys. You don't want to just have Lafreniere and these guys that are going to get knocked knocked into the glass and not play defense. I mean, they really don't have any of those two-way guys. Chris Kreider is a two-way, but you yeah. know what I mean. The best teams uh, you got to have some of your best players should be at least honorable and, and solid defensively and be able to get back there and you know, block a shot or maybe hit someone occasionally. I don't know. Uh, the Rangers have a lot of guys that are incredible skaters and incredible scorers, but it remains to be seen if they can play enough D. Right. Yeah. You know, I was, I was, I mean, I was, I was watching the game earlier today and I was, inc- I was stunned that for the most part, all of the big line forwards uh, were left off of the staff were left off of the stat sheet with the exception of Vladimir Tarasenko, who happened wow. to be out there. Uh, I think he was out there on the power play when they when they scored on a deflection by Lafreniere. Uh, oh. The fir- that first goal that that New York scored, where it looked like on replay that originally that it didn't cross the line because it's weird the puck hit the first crossbar or it hit the first post then it hit the inside crossbar and then it came right back out and a lot of people were wondering whether or not it even crossed the line and it did end up crossing the line uh but it never like it you know it never hit the net it's like 
It's like it went, it, it hit the first post, it went in, and then it did like a complete U-turn, essentially. Oh, wow. Which was wow. really weird. Yeah, that is but, that is really weird. But apart, you know, apart from that, I mean, Patrick Kane was left off of the score sheet. Uh, Zabinajad was left off of the score sheet. Panarin, Trocek, Kreider, they were all left off of the score sheet. If anything, Lafreniere, he had the lone two goals. Uh, Capo Caco had an assist, and Vladimir Tarasenko had an assist. Uh, along with Jacob Truba and Nico Mikola. And actually, I was wrong about Mikola. He has been in the league for a few years, but, uh, you know, he hasn't been the type of defenseman that has really produced anything, essentially. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I'd still take the more rugged teams, but hey, if they get hot, I mean, what seed are they right now? If the playoffs were to start tomorrow. What are the uh, they they are in the third they're in the third seed in the Metropolitan. So let me check real quick, actually. Um, so third they're in the third seed in the Metropolitan. Let's see where they are in points. They're tied with Tampa Bay. However, Tampa Bay has a higher percentage, so I think they would be the sixth seed uh, with. New York uh, with the Islanders and Pittsburgh taking up the last two seeds. So right now they would be on a collision course for probably a matchup with the New Jersey Devils in the first round. Wow. Which could easily go either way. Easily, yes. Easily. Easily. I'm sure uh, Devils fans could confidently say they would love that. It would be an awesome battle. True fans would 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 cherish that, relish that that matchup. I mean, that's great. That's Knicks Nets on steroids. I mean, that's another level. Rangers Devils in the playoffs would be awesome. Yeah, and not just not just that, but the Devils. You know, they went out and got Timo Meyer. You know, they paid a huge price to get Timo Meyer from uh, San Jose. Is he uh, as good who, as I mean, what, he's, how would you how would you compare him to a guy like Patrick Kane? Is he even better? What kind of what kind of like strengths does he have? He's basically a younger Patrick Kane. Wow. Okay. And what was the uh, hockey? He's, this, this time, this time you can blame my little bit coming up short on hockey and, and being in Florida for the last nine days. I'm going to be here for the next week, but uh, I haven't been watching a lot of hockey lately. What, what's so? Is he just a fast goal scorer? Well, it, uh, you know, he's more of a sniper, I believe. If anything, that he's. I mean, I mean, he has he has 31 goals and 21 assists. So, you know, uh, playmaking isn't really his forte. He's more of a sniper, if anything. Uh, however, though, you know, he is currently injured, so uh, he has just recently been cleared for contact uh, in practice. But, you know, he's been with San Jose since 2016. So, you know, he's been in the league definitely a lot. Uh, if anything, his breakout year was – well, technically his breakout year was in 2018 where he had 66 points. But last year he set uh, career highs in both assists and goals with 35 goals and 41 assists. So, wow. uh, you know, he's definitely been a powerhouse. Uh, but, you know, experience-wise, obviously Patrick Kane has the edge. 
considering you know he brought three uh, three Stanley Cup titles to uh, to Cal- or to Chicago. Wow. Now I didn't again since I've been kind of out of pocket. I didn't see the game today. Is Kane? Is Kane? I've read though. Is, is Kane definitely playing on the second line? And then what do they bump him up to the first power play? Um, Are they I still, still kind of first... playing around with? Yeah, I believe he's on the first power play, and he did play. I think he did play second line because I believe Tarasenko is on the first, but I might – let me double-check, actually. Let me double-check what the uh, – that is, that is some awesome depth they have. I mean, that's – Patrick Kane on the second line pretty stellar. Mm. Let me double-check what his time on ice was today. That should tell me. Uh, oh, he played first – wait. Yeah, he played first line first line minutes. 21 minutes and 44 seconds. So maybe he was on the first line today and Tarasenko was on the second line. I don't know. Yeah. But it's, you know, though, this was kind of unique, though, today because they were playing while being down one forward and one defenseman. So they were playing essentially with 16 players. They had 11 forwards and they had five defensemen because of uh, salary cap reasons. Wow. Okay. I mean, it's weird. It's it's weird because of the fact that uh, they got Patrick Kane. They brought Patrick Kane in. Uh, one of their one of their acquisitions that they had at the deadline is already injured. He suffered an injury. Um, Tyler Mott. He suffered an injury. Ryan Lindgren, one of their defensemen, also had an injury and. Uh, another defenseman, Keandre Miller, was actually serving a suspension for some reason today. So that's why he didn't play. And they couldn't really call anybody up uh, because they didn't have any, uh, you know, it's not like these players were on injured reserve or something. So uh, they couldn't really call anybody up, essentially, now, what was for the today's holiday, game. Uh, the devil, guys, what, what did the Devils give up? Because I – I don't mind what the Rangers gave up. You got to give, you know, you got to give some draft capital. Did the Devils give right. up a lot for their for their major their major additions? So here's the full here's the full deal. Uh, the Devils they acquired Timo Meyer along with Tamir uh, or Timur Bragamov, uh, defenseman Scott Harrington, who was then waived and he was claimed on waivers. I think it was by Winnipeg, uh, along with Santeri Hataka. Goalie Zachary Ed, uh, Emond and a fifth round pick in the 2024 draft from the San Jose Sharks. So basically, you know, the the only two NHLers were Meyer and Harrington that New Jersey had acquired, but they then put Harrington on waivers to send him down to the AHL, and he ended up getting uh, he ended up getting claimed by Winnipeg off of waivers. Uh, in exchange, they sent uh, forwards Fabian Zetterland, Andreas Janssen, uh, defenseman Shakir Mukhamadulin, and Nikita Okhotiak, as well as a conditional first-round pick in the 2023 draft this year, a conditional second-round pick in next year's draft, and a seventh-round pick in the 2024 draft. Yeah, you got to give to get, right? I mean, I'd rather right. have proven commodities than draft picks. And I, I love, I mean, from fantasy football, baseball to uh, 
to the real thing, the video game, whatever it is. I love draft picks like everyone, but when you're a real-life GM, if you can get these players, and the Devils and Rangers are kind of – they're both in the conversation. you got to pull the trigger, and you gotta you got to move these picks for uh, for proven studs. That's going to be awesome. I really hope the Devils and Rangers match up right away. And, you know, in my opinion, though, I think – uh, New, Jer- New Jersey could have they could have given up a hell of a lot more than what they actually did give up, believe it or not, because okay. wow. there were quite a few players that were rumored to potentially be part of the deal. Uh, Dawson Mercer, for uh, in particular, was one uh, that was brought up as a uh, potential option. Uh, he's currently with the Devils right now. Uh, I also heard that. You know, there were quite a few Devils main roster players that were talked about as being potential options, and neither of them ended up going. So most of these players, if anything, were prospects uh, being sent back to San Jose. And the conditional first-round pick, I mean, let's put it this way. If New Jersey makes a deep run into the playoffs, that's going to be a late first-round pick. So, I mean, it's not like, it's not like San Jose is acquiring, you know, like the 10th overall pick or something. Yeah, you know, so this is – It's not the, the, the trim of the crop. It's the lower end yeah. pick. First round. Yeah. Yeah. Like, sounds like both really good moves, savvy moves by their uh, by their respective GMs in the uh, the tri-state area. And, you know, th- those weren't the only big moves that, uh, that took place. Uh, Boston, they went back out and they got uh, Tyler Bertuzzi from nice. the from uh, the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for a conditional first-round pick next year, which is top 10 protected, which obviously meaning if it falls within the top 10, then Boston keeps that pick. But let's face it, they're not going to fall in the top 10 unless, unless they win the Cup this year and pretty much uh, all of the big-name players retire or, or shit the bed next year. Uh, and they also gave up a fourth round pick in the 2025 draft. Uh, so basically what Don Sweeney did for the Bruins is he essentially cleaned the cupboard of all draft picks, essentially all noteworthy draft picks for the next three years uh, for the chance to win a Stanley cup right now with the trades wow. that he made uh, before the trade deadline this year. Although this one was kind of necessary because Taylor Hall got placed on long-term injured reserve. Uh, Hall is expected to miss at least a month, uh, so the rest of the regular season, basically, with uh, with an injury. And let me bring in uh, let me bring in Lou. Uh, Lou, glad to nice. glad to see you on tonight. Um, I was wondering, I I was wondering if you had to. Well, I was wondering if you had gotten my message because I sent you a message. No, Lou, I didn't Al, see it. So, I'm looking for it. Lou, sorry. It's Al. It's Al. Lou, sorry again, man. I'm in Florida, so I couldn't be on longer, but that was a really good show before. Yeah, hang on a second. Let me see if I can find the message. Uh-oh, you got to read your message, man. Communication. Yeah. Well, I'll, Steve, I'll find gotta, it later. Steve, Let's go on. Steve, we gotta, Steve, we got to link up on Facebook or whatever going forward, too, over the weekend. Hmm. All right, yeah, that sounds that sounds good. Um, I mean, there's always bit different ideas around. Yeah, yeah, just just search just search for Steve Kent. You'll see a uh, you'll see a photo of Matt Trisha wearing a clown nose. That's me. Oh, that's, oh, yeah. uh, that's my uh, 
That's my profile. I'm pretty limp, so I'm literally going to do it right okay. now. My mom's asleep, so I'm just hanging out in the sunroom out in Florida. I'm going to add you shortly. All right. Well, there, uh, you, you know, uh, yeah, because, uh, Blue, I had sent you a message that said uh, change of plans. I ended up getting um, my training ended up getting moved up uh, a day. So basically, uh, I told I told you I would I would be on your show, and then I uh, and then the uh, regular show would be uh, would be a go. Oh, okay. I must have missed the message. Oh, Steve, that were you on? Oh, that's I called last week, Steve. Were you on last week, or were you were you busy? Uh, oh, really? I was. I was. I I didn't. You know see, what? Uh... You know what, dude? Because I was flying out here. I think I called in at like eleven oh five. So maybe it didn't allow me, or maybe you stopped early. Oh, you might no no. You might have because uh, the thing is, you uh, once it, once it hits eleven, it uh, it doesn't allow anybody else to call in. That's so. right. Okay. But uh, Lou, we've been talking about the uh, about the trade deadline. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of yes. deals that were made. Um, first, first we'll start with New Jersey uh, grabbing Timo Meyer for mm-hmm. such a huge package that they ended up uh, that they ended up having to give up. Uh, you know, New Jersey, they're pretty much having their best season since that Stanley Cup run. Yeah. Well, I mean, Luke, what are your what are your thoughts on New Jersey uh, essentially putting all their chips in for this season? Big, big improvement. It's the best season they had since they had Taylor Hall in the lineup. I mean, after he left, you know, the Devils went on a downward a downward turn then, and they couldn't do anything right. But you know, they managed to lose uh, both in the front office and on the ice, and it's finally starting to pay off. And even Diana's happy about that. She'll tell you. But uh, it's, it's really starting to pay off. It's like the devil that we've seen back in the late 90s and early 2000s. And, you know, they, they're, making, they're making smart moves. And that's what you need, especially this time of year. Of course, I don't know if they're going to hang on with, with, you know, trying to get past the Bruins, but that's another story right there. You know, but you guys, you guys give the devil's credit. I mean, they're... Oh, know, yeah. Devil's oh, happy. Definitely. Things are happy. Yeah, and uh, of course the question of the question of course is will the New Jersey Devils be able to re-sign him? Now he will be a restricted free agent oh. this uh, uh, this off season. So even if they well, can't re-sign him, uh, restricted it says. Restricted, okay. Yeah, so I think it's his last year of restricted free agency essentially. Nice. So basically, uh, even if they can't re-sign him. Uh, whoever, whatever team ends up coming to an agreement with him, they'll uh, they'll end up having to give up uh, draft picks to uh, mm-hmm. New Jersey. So either way, New Jersey could potentially still recover those draft picks that they ended up having to give up. Yeah. Now I know I mentioned this on my show, right? But uh, you know, I was still trying to figure out, you know, how Johnson Quick would go from a contained team like the Kings to a schlub team, which is the Blue Jackets, which are going nowhere. I mean, right. you know, you're, you're going to like, you're going to go to one edge. I'm like, well, we know this team sucks, but we're going to send them anyway, so we won't have a shot at a cup. I mean, you do not send a top goaltender to a team that isn't doing jack. Luckily, they wise right. up and send the Golden Knights, which are more competitive. 
I mean, That's seriously, you're going you're gonna to send them to the, to the Blue Jackets? It's the worst team in the league. We're crying out loud. Right. Yeah. And they call uh, the you know, I – I had a problem with that as well. Uh, the fact that they would, the fact that they would do Jonathan Quick dirty like that. Uh, matter of fact, it caused so much mayhem. Uh, this uh, this was coming off of a night where uh, L.A. captain Anze Kopitar scored four goals uh, in that game, and then coming back to the locker room, they then found out that Jonathan Quick was being traded as part yeah. of a package. Uh, so basically, Columbus, they acquired Jonathan Quick, a conditional first-round pick in this year's draft, and a third-round pick in next year's draft from the L.A. Kings. In exchange, uh, the Kings, they, set, or they ended up acquiring Vladislav Gavrikov and goaltender Jonas Korpisalo. Uh Now, my understanding about this is that uh, it was basically done for salary reasons that yeah. LA couldn't LA couldn't acquire Gavrikov and Corpusalo without or or no they couldn't acquire Gavrikov without having to give up uh, salary and mm-hmm. huh. the way my understanding of it is Jonathan Quick's salary is about like about five million dollars like five point eight million or something like that I'm so. So in order to balance that out, they had to package both Corpusalo and Gavrikov as part of the deal, uh, and obviously they would they uh, they had to give up Jonathan Quick because uh, you know they're looking at all of their other assets on the roster, and their main thing was to upgrade their defense without having to give up any significant. Uh, pieces okay, and I, yeah. I know I know I say I know I say that with uh, with Jonathan Quick being part of the deal. Uh, the problem is, is that Jonathan Quick has been more has been more like a backup this year. You know, he's not yeah. the same Jonathan Quick uh, that he's no. been in years past. In other words, he's not that quick anymore. Oh, 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 oh. sorry. <laughs> kind of, kind of, yeah. You know, Come on, he, you he isn't with that. Come on. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty good uh, a pretty good quip there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, I, you know the main the main thing is is that they needed the salary uh, to balance out, and mm. the only way for them to do that was to uh, was to put Jonathan Quick in the uh, in the trade, unfortunately, which angered a lot of right, uh, L.A. Kings right. fans. That's an insult. Well, got it. Sometimes it comes down to logistics, or like you said, maybe it was because oh, yeah. of the money. You know, you can't can't make everyone happy in the world of sports when you're going for a cup when there's salary cap and all that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. However, yeah, though, if it wasn't if it wasn't for Jonathan Quick, L.A. may very well have not had those two Stanley Cup wins in the last exactly. decade. But Father Time is undefeated too. I remember uh, from Jeremiah Jeremiah Trotter, Hugh Douglas, just looking at different sports for like an Eagles. Oh, but yeah. every sport you see it happen all the time in different sports. These teams like they're they're shrewd, they're ruthless. They got to let go of the True. older guys sometimes. Like you can't hold on to a you know fairy tale ending. You, sometimes your favorite players, the hometown heroes, get moved. So, however, yeah, though. I mean, uh... 
it's not all that bad though for Jonathan Quick because he is now a member of the Vegas Golden Knights as uh, Columbus Columbus traded him for wow. goaltender Michael Hutchinson and a seventh round pick. So basically, all, well, what was that? Oh, sorry guys. I was, is Hutchinson a, a good name or big name or just random? Uh, and he, he used to be. He used to be, and then he uh, basically washed out. He he's been spending time in the AHL for the last couple of years. The American Hockey League. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, All right, here's the question. Be, when, uh, when is what Bucks gonna lose? Gonna lose a game? Uh, uh maybe in April. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, when? When is who? The Bucks. The Bucks. When are the Bucks are gonna lose another game? Uh, I'm Tony. Yeah. I mean, so I'm sorry. If you yeah. put, if you want to look at who's the best player in the world, I just, I was just thinking about this recently. I mean, you can compare a diff- couple different guys now, but I mean, who else? The Bucks. I'm sorry. Besides Jaru Holiday, great player, great defender. I mean, now Middleton's been kind of injured. Don't I don't like Brook Lopez. I mean, if you put any other superstar in place of Giannis, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. I mean, he really carries that team. Yeah, and not just I mean, not just that though, but Giannis, Giannis is one of those players that gets the most yeah. help from refs too. You're right. You're right. I'm just saying he carries more than anyone, I think, right now in this day and age. I think he's the most valuable player. I mean, the, he just does he's, – he's so impactful. Right. Yes. Yeah, and, and also, you know, another thing, too, you got to take a look at who the Bucks have. They got Grayson Allen, who, you know, not a lot of people were looking uh, at him as being yeah. – not a lot of people were looking at him as being a legitimate threat coming out of college. But, uh, you know, he's actually put up pretty decent numbers since joining the Bucks. So And look, and look at uh, – it's almost like what the Lakers could have – should have or tried to do for the last couple of years. You surround Giannis because he demands two or three guys. They have Grayson Allen. They have uh, – Brooke Lopez lives at the three-point line. And then they have uh, Pat Connington. Yeah, I mean, Grayson Allen's perfect because he just stands at the three-point line. If he gets open, he nails the three. So, like, yeah. Giannis, you surround him with shooters. Holiday's so awesome. How, uh, you know, all, oh, yeah. all, all teams, uh, when it comes to Brooke Lopez, all teams need to do is watch the Milwaukee Bucks' last game against Boston when Boston basically they, – they basically put together the blueprint for how to keep Brooke Lopez at bay. And, I mean, Lopez probably had one of the worst games of his career against Boston in the last wow. game that they had uh that they had played. I mean, what were how were they playing them? What were they doing to uh kind of mess with them? They basically they basically kept switching. They kept switching whenever he whenever he would try to charge. Uh they kept switching and what that ended up doing was it kept throwing him off balance. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, another another thing too is Bobby Portis is back too. Yeah, I like him oh, a lot. He's very. I just can't stand Lopez. He's slowed down. Now he's he's put up his best year in like five years. I the guy's slow. He just he's annoying, but he he's putting up really good numbers. Lopez. Yeah, yeah, he is putting up good numbers. Uh, I mean, twenty one points tonight against Philly. Uh, 
But, you know, it's, it, it is clear that, lo- uh-oh, somebody took a hard fall on Milwaukee. Was that Giannis? No, ya- no Giannis oh. is right under. We on ESPN? Who won? Where are we? I'm out on the front uh, channel. ABC. Uh, okay. Yes. Number five. Who is that? Is that Carter? Hmm. Wait a minute. Yeah, I think that was I think that was Javon Carter that just took a hard fall. Uh, oh. Yeah, he took a hard fall after attempting a uh, after attempting a run at the basket. Uh, wow. Yeah, that that isn't good. Uh, I, I mean, he's he's primarily uh. just a just a bench player for Milwaukee, but that's uh, that takes away one of their potential uh, depth bad. options. There's Grayson. And Javon Carter, not for nothing. I mean, he's not huge, but he's been playing pretty well. Kind of a good yeah. – uh, Milwaukee does a good job of developing or just making guys maximize their talents. Look at look, look at Pat Connington. He was like a ninth or tenth man for Portland. Now he starts for world champion Milwaukee. So, I mean, they, they do a right. good job getting the hooks out of some of these players. Bobby Portis, kind of, you know, he kind of got started getting a good reputation in Chicago, and then he kind of blew up. I mean, he was – he was huge for their championship. Portis, I mean, they and Grayson Allen. Jazz, they got rid of him quickly, and now he's doing well in Milwaukee. I mean, yeah, right. you take a look a at a job. lot of those players, though. You take a look at a lot of those players that they have. You know, they got Joe Inglis, uh, Bobby Portis, uh, Chris Middleton. Of course, Middleton hasn't really been having a good season this year since recovering from so, his injury. Yeah, so uh, now they got now they got Jay Crowder as well as part of that uh, yeah. as yeah. part of that huge shakeup at the deadline. Yeah, I mean they have they have love them or hate them, and they have what it takes. They have good veterans. They have good defense. They have, I think, the best player. Um, I mean, and like you said, Middleton's not even playing his best ball. He might get better a month from now. I mean, he's kind of working his way back. He's a really good player. Holiday. I awesome. would almost argue. I would almost start. They made his first. Holiday, I think Holiday made his first All Star team. I mean, they have a damn good roster. Yeah, I would. I would almost argue that this team is better than the team that won the championship a few years ago. Well, I I, I love that idea because I honestly can't name anyone that they're missing. I mean, they but they've added um, a couple of guys. Crowder. They've added Grayson Allen. I don't think he's a needle mover, but he's doing well. Like he's he's fitting in well. They have yeah, better shooting. They have better shooters now. I mean, look now, at this offense. As far as, look at the, as offense. Far look at the as, offense right now. Giannis in the middle, and then they literally have four guys that can all shoot threes standing around the outside, standing around the – and then Giannis has all that room to work with in the middle. Yeah. Now, obviously, uh, obviously when it comes to Philly, I mean, Philly's been on a slide, and – I mean, Philly's going to make the playoffs. Let's just put that out, put that uh, to bed right now. Philly will make the playoffs. Uh, problem with Philly – I don't know. It just seemed, and that is a definite travel on Giannis. Uh, yeah. Philly, it just seems like, I, I think they made a mistake in getting rid of Matisse Tibble at the deadline because Tibble has been course. probably one of their better defensive players. Yeah. And it just seems He's like they awesome. can't guard the three for shit this year. Yeah, yeah Tibble's playing great for uh, Portland. I mean, you know, not great, but he's he's starting. He's doing really well. He was buried, and then I mean, I always I know it's beating an old horse, but I I don't know. 
I don't believe in Harden long term. I don't. Philly does. There's no way they're going to get past Boston or the Bucks. Yeah, I mean Boston has had Philly's number this year, so it's it, surprisingly Boston has had Philly's number when normally it's more evenly matched. Uh, with Philly, it's you know I don't I don't know what their their big problem obviously is the fact that they can't defend the three for shit this year, uh, nope. but. I mean, uh, their problem primarily has been foul trouble, if anything. You know, they've gotten into foul trouble quite a lot, and also their bench is pretty weak. When you compare it to recent years, to previous years, their bench is actually is actually a bit of a uh, a bit of a problem for themselves. I mean, uh, you know, their best player is maybe uh, is is maybe uh, Melton off of the bench that they ended up getting from uh, Memphis, the Anthony yeah. Melton. Yeah, I think, Steve, actually, good call. But I, I'm not sure yet but, uh, right now, but uh, the last couple weeks, I think they're starting Melton just to get something more off their bench. Uh, they have uh, Maxie now as, like, the sixth man. But overall, yeah, their bench is weak. Montrez Harrell's been horrendous. Um, they just don't have a lot of offense off the bench. And then Tobias Harris disappears. Harden uh, is wondering, you know, where the next strip club or buffet is. At the time, he's not focused. I mean, Embiid is the only guy really going balls out every night. They just yeah. have a weird chemistry. A lot of people question Doc Rivers. I mean, I don't know. I just Some of their key players are just not like Boston goes all out. Milwaukee's always focused. Boston's always going hard. It's like Philly's got, like, some mental issues. They just have a weird chemistry. And they also wasted a lot of money on PJ Tucker too in the off season. They wasted yeah, not- like as soon as as soon as I saw that that they had signed Tucker, I looked at my friend or or I uh, I messaged my friend on Facebook and I said, "Dude, your your Sixers are screwed if they're giving if they're if they're giving that much money to PJ Tucker. There's a reason why Miami let him go." Of course. Yeah, they can call PJ Sucker. Yeah, and I, I'm you're not, not going to give him that I, much I got, money. I got to go one for not, four every. I wasn't trying to knock mental issues. I got plenty of issues, but I, I was just saying overall. I just, I think from an effort and just, you know what I mean, just from a focus perspective, Philly's just not dialed in. They're just, they're so erratic. They're so up and down, and I think they'll just right. get exposed in the playoffs because whenever it gets tough, they, the fourth quarter, they just. I know. I always say it. I, I don't believe it's hard. And then Tobias Harris is totally overpaid. It's like Embiid is like pretty much on his own, whereas Boston has like you know multiple guys that can kill you. Um, Milwaukee's so dang- dangerous. I mean, Philly's just not at that level. You know, I'll put this right now. I wouldn't be surprised to see Philadelphia be a first round exit. No, neither would I. No, I don't think yeah, any. I would not like, be surprised yeah. at all. NBA world, the the real, you know, the big fans like us, not, that wouldn't be surprising at all. No, no. I mean, I mean, look at looking at the standings right now in the East, where they are. Philly is at number three. They would be in a first round matchup with the Nets. Now, granted, the Nets don't have Kyrie or KD anymore, but we saw what the Nets did against Boston the other night, uh, erasing a twenty eight point deficit to beat Boston. Uh, I mean, you know, the Nets, they're capable of doing damage despite being only seven games above 500. 
they're capable of doing some serious damage. So if I'm Philly, I'd be worried about facing the Nets or even the Knicks. And yes, Ivan, I know you're listening. You can call in right now if you want to talk some Knicks basketball. Uh, I'm here. Well, yeah, I know we're gonna talk. I know you're here, Lou. We're gonna talk Knicks basketball, anyways. But I have a friend of mine uh, who I know is Hi. listening right now, uh, who is a Knicks fan, and I've been well, going, we'll I've been going blow to blow with him basically uh, the entire past uh, two weeks uh, over the Knicks it, and Celtics. Take take it from a big, uh, you know, frustrated Blazer fan, but hey, the Knicks got Tom Thibodeau's the prototype for when Tom Thibodeau dreams about the type of player he wants, Josh Hart. Uh, defender, versatile, incredible wing defender, can hit the three, tenacious, uh, all-around effort, like hustle guy. He's perfect for Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks. Um, he makes the whole roster better. He's also best friends and former college teammates with Brunson. That was, that was a huge move that not enough people are talking about. Look at the Knicks after they added him. They're like, uh, they've lost like one or two games in the last like a few weeks. I mean, they've been on a tear. Well, they've won their last – They've won their last eight straight. There you go. I mean, he's not the yeah. only reason, but I'm, they're playing really well now. R.J. Barrett's actually playing a lot better. Brunson, Brunson got robbed. He should have been a total all-star. I mean, Randall's, Randall's yeah. rejuvenated. Randall's back to his best former self, like 2020. I mean, dude, Mitchell Robinson's healthy again. Um, yeah, now you have Brunson. Quickly's playing great. Uh, Grimes. The Knicks have some good players now, man. They really do. Hartenstein's a decent backup no. big. They have defense, they have size, and now they have Brunson and Hart. They have a good backcourt. You know, it is conceivable. It is conceivable with with the 76ers right now, uh, only ahead of the Cavaliers by two games uh, for mm-hmm. the third seed. It is conceivable that the Cavaliers could potentially jump, and that would set up Philly versus the Knicks in the first round. Wow. And, dude, just overall, the East is, the East is loaded now, man. I think yeah. it's a legit. The, the big three we mentioned, I mean, Milwaukee, obviously, Milwaukee-Boston. I think Boston's first, obviously. But then <laughs> and don't forget about the Miami Heat. Yeah, the, Heat, the, the East is loaded yeah, now. Mike, of right. Yeah, I mean, you do have uh, in the play-in tournament, you do have the Miami Heat, you have the Atlanta Hawks uh, with uh, with their new coach, uh, uh, what's his name, Quinn uh, Snyder. Snyder. Yeah, Quinn, Quinn Snyder. Snyder. Yeah. Um, you have the I've Raptors. They have some weird, uh, weird chemistry issues. I've heard Trey Young's not a happy camper, and he's not easy to uh, play with as right. a teammate. So I don't know. I didn't, yeah, well, he, he wasn't. He wasn't happy. He wasn't happy. Uh, what's his name with Nate McMillan? No, but Nate yeah. McMillan. From what it sounds before. like, it sounds. It sounds like. It sounds like everything's fine now, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're dangerous. We'll see if they settle down and actually go on a run. Yes, yeah, so, I mean Atlanta's dangerous. They're not in that that top tier, but I wouldn't want to play them if I was in the playoffs. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, the East top to bottom, the East is better than the West right now, which is a rarity. I mean, it hasn't been that way for many years, I don't think. Oh, no. by the way, speaking of the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, they will also be getting Goran Dragic. Uh, yeah, as I mean. He cl- as he cleared waivers, uh, he cleared waivers, so he will basically be joining that uh, that guard group of uh, Javon Carter, uh, amongst others. Holiday, Allen, yeah, I mean they have yeah. deep, and now they 
if, you know, Ford is coming off the bench with Jay Crowder now, backing up Brooke and Giannis. Seems loaded. Yeah. They're, 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 I mean, then you have Middleton and Ingles is a really good contributor. Um, yeah. I mean, they're probably – I mean, them and the Celtics are definitely the two – I think the Celtics are the number one, but the two deepest rosters right now yeah. that can play a lot of players are Boston and Milwaukee, I think, in the whole league. Memphis is pretty deep, too. Now, yeah. over in the Western Conference, you have a little bit of controversy going on with one of the top teams in the Western Conference. Uh, oh, yeah. The Memphis, the Memphis Grizzlies. They uh, got a few problems. Uh, first off, Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks got suspended a game for picking up his 16th technical yesterday. Uh, <laughs> also, Brandon Clark, he suffered a season-ending left Achilles tear. Uh, so a huge part of their bench is now officially done for the year. Uh, he averaged 10, game, or 10 points per game while shooting 65% for, uh, off of the bench. And this is already a team who has been without Steven Adams for over a month. So now Xavier Tillman and Santi Aldama are basically going to pick up huge big man minutes now that Clark is gone. And also they still don't have Steven Adams. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like he may not potentially be ready next season either for the start of next season. That's the team uh, they they're young. Oh, they've, they've been very close, and now it's like they're young and they're right on the verge of obviously challenging for a championship. And now it seems like there's a little bit of drama. John Morant's acting up. He has his entourage there. Yep. Family's getting he, Dylan Brooks is acting up. It's like they're they're ruining stuff before they even win a ring, and they might close yep. the window on themselves. They might they might take the chance away from themselves. Yep, and that's the game you guys to bring up here. Huh? I mean. Matt, Awesome. If Memphis should win a championship, but if Memphis keeps acting up, they're not going to win anything. No. What was that, Lou? We have a game all of a sudden. Yep, uh, yep. All of a sudden, uh, Philly has closed the gap. Now a five-point lead for uh, for Milwaukee with about ten minutes to go. Steve, as you pointed out, now you see um, Philly's at least got two or three bench guys in. Let's see what they do. They've got Niang. Uh, Shake. Well, they still have Harden. Lazy boy Harden's running the point guard. Uh, Niang doesn't really do much, though. Well, no, I'm just saying they have a couple of their bench guys in. Like you said, it's a weak bench. Let's see. Right. Can they make a run with that? I mean, they have Harden, and it looks like pretty much their whole bench unit. MB's off the floor. Yeah, yeah I mean, Niang, I, I'd say if anything, Melton and Niang are probably their top two bench guys. And Definitely that's not that. really saying much. No. Oh, no, no. Well, now, yeah, you're right. I thought you said Melton or Melton. They have Shake Melton and, and Melton. Melton. Yeah, yeah okay. Melton. Uh, DeAndre DeAndre Melton, who they got from uh, Memphis. But, you know, speaking of Memphis, though, like you said, John Morant, uh, <laughs> he is taking a leave of absence from the team for at least two games uh, due to – a Instagram live earlier this morning uh, where he was seen with a firearm in a nightclub, uh, which presumably was in either Colorado or, or uh, Los Angeles because they are set to play in LA tomorrow against the Clippers and Tuesday against the Lakers. Uh, 
now this obviously if this were in if this were in Tennessee this wouldn't be a problem because Tennessee has a law that allows people to openly carry uh weapons to openly carry guns so this wouldn't be a problem if it were in if it were in Tennessee however it sounds like this were this was either in Colorado or in Los Angeles wow so and you know what? It's not even just that. There's also the incident involving uh, mall security and uh, him and his entourage going after uh, going after people, uh, pointing yep. uh, a gun laser or something at somebody. Yeah. Red dot. Red light. Uh, not to mention yeah, him beating. Not, not to mention him beating the shit out of a little kid. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's it, like the incidents just keep piling up for John Morant, and it, it, it doesn't make him look. You know, this latest incident doesn't make him look any better. Surprising. I mean, he was like a feel-good story. He was from a very small school, kind of like Damian Lillard, and he seemed really humble and didn't get in any trouble in the past. And now he's just absolutely acting up. And like I said, I mean, he's his his drama right now is going to really distract them and prevent them from getting to a championship because. They can take out Golden State, but not if they're getting in all sorts of trouble. Yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, and actually, speaking of Golden State, you know, Golden State is on fire right now. Uh, I think they've won, like, their last four games or something. But, uh, you know, that's another thing with Golden State and Memphis. They have this seemingly budding rivalry now all of a sudden uh, starting up ever since uh, the Warriors eliminated Memphis last year from the uh, mm-hmm. from the playoffs, and now there's constant shit-talking between both teams every single time they meet up. Obviously. Uh, you know, it just it, – it, uh, things, things are escalating in the Western Conference. I mean, you got the you got the Phoenix Suns now with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant putting up 20 points in his uh, Suns debut. Uh, watch out for Phoenix. You know, Phoenix could potentially they're currently sitting in the fourth seed right now, but but you could see them uh, make a make a serious run. Are they rising at, from the ashes? Potentially. <laughs> uh-huh. I get I get the reference. I get the reference. Blue is another good one, man. I like it. I played that. Yeah. Uh, I think entering this year, real quick, I mean, just my personal observation, I think entering this year, I really thought Memphis would be the one to come out of the West. But all this drama now, they're so much tougher than uh, man for man. Steven Adams has got to get healthy. But Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, I really, really like. He's like a – he's an awesome hardcore player without the head case personality. Right. you know what I mean? They have a lot of good play, a lot of hard-nosed players. They're they're stronger and tougher and taller. They're t- they're definitely more physical than uh, Golden State. I mean, I think the West is Memphis is if they can clean up their act. Yeah, I, the, I, the problem. I, I predict I predict I predict Celtics versus uh, Grizzlies right now even. You know the yeah. problem with Memphis though is they they don't have discipline, and when I say that I mean. Oh. I mean, just look at Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks is getting suspended for uh, for 16 technicals already. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. He, right. I think he leads. I think he leads the league in most foul outs. 
Wow. Because yeah. he almost fouls out. He fouls out of almost every single game, essentially. <laughs> and I don't think he's now in the outfield. You know that just it, it they they seemingly lack discipline, uh, yeah. which I mean if there's one thing you need in the league is discipline because yeah, you need to stay it, off of that. You need the to, thing is you that need to keep that when Grayson Allen was at Duke, he was a consistent troublemaker, and I thought that was going to carry over into his pro days. I mean because you know he was he was really a jackass over there. Right. Oh, that that is that was so close to being out of bounds. Funny, I was talking like we're junk talking about, we're talking inches. I was talking so much yeah. junk about Harden, and Harden just had like six points, seven points in a row. <laughs> you heard me. Yes. Well, I mean, let's 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 look at Harden, though. You know, Harden is still. He he still can be one of the top scorers in the league. I mean, granted, he's no longer, uh, you know, he's no longer the Houston James Harden who would uh, who would put up a monster amount of points every single game. But uh, you know, you're not going to see a triple double or something from him every single night now. But uh, you know, he's like, uh, how should I put this right? He's like Carmelo Anthony uh, in his Knicks years without the attitude. Good comparison. Like he's gonna put up, he, he's gonna put up his regular points. Jeez, Giannis. Ooh, yeah. Oh my God, that that was actually a beautiful three by Niang there. Okay. Where are you? Six twenty-three. 623 left? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm just making sure that Florida time's good over here. <laughs> this is not a typo, people. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you might be a little ahead of me, actually. Uh, but, yeah, I just got the 623 on my screen, actually, right now. Um, I'll blame it on Comcast. Uh, but, sure. yeah, now all of a sudden this is a game, a one-point lead now for uh, for Milwaukee here. What? But you know, I mean, looking at the Western Conference, though, you got the Nuggets. You know, I, I I'll give the Nuggets credit. I wasn't expecting them to hang on to this first uh, this first seed, but it looks like they're going to do it. It looks like they're going to enter the playoffs probably with the first seed. Uh, Grizzlies at number two. Sacramento, though, behind Mike Brown as their head coach at number three right now. Three games oh, yeah. ahead of the fourth seeded Phoenix Suns, and they had I'm a give, packed give them, house. I'm going to give them one year, though, Steve. Just that they're going to have that classic. They've never been there before. No one on that team. So, like, I think they'll be a first round exit. But at least they're they're legit now. I mean, I I, I just don't think yeah. they're going to finally. They're going to get in, but. I mean, I don't know if I would consider them a first-round exit. They're going to be – I mean, if if it trends the right way, they would be facing Kyrie Irving and the Dallas Mavericks. And Kyrie's record right now with Luka isn't that good. I, I digress. Yeah, if they match up against the Mavericks, I, I will take the, the Kings. I digress. I mean, looking at the Kings, they still rank, they're still ranked number one in points per game. They're averaging 120.9 points per game. Which wow, is you guys tops got, in the entire league. You guys got six minutes left now. 
well, I, I'm still at six twenty-three. They 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 just did the free throws. Okay. But I, I mean, you know, look at just look at that Sacramento roster, though. I mean, De- yeah, granted they haven't been there before, uh, but De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Huerter, Demontis Sabonis. Uh, you got newcomer Keegan Murray, uh, rookie Keegan like Murray, I do Harrison like Barnes. I just think it's like the old uh, – they haven't been there yet, but, hey, maybe they do go on a run. And I, and I do definitely think they could take out the, the, the drama-filled uh, Irish, the, the Mavericks. I hope that, that experiment explodes in Dallas. I just I can I detest Kyrie. I mean, honestly – I don't really see uh, unless Luka Doncic becomes a uh, you know continues to be a cheat code. Uh, yeah. Now, granted, he doesn't need to carry the team as much with uh, with Kyrie also on the team, and Kyrie has been performing. I'll put it that way. Kyrie has been performing. Uh, I think the big problem is though is that they actually lost a lot more than they gained in that Kyrie deal. So. Uh, that may be well. Well, that and also, it seems like Jason Kidd is completely clueless as their head coach this year. I don't know what's going on yeah. uh, with him as their head coach, but he seems completely clueless all of a sudden now this year as the head coach of the Mavericks. Uh, but things haven't really been going good for the most part since. Uh, you know, they're not going as well as everybody expected them to go uh, right. once they had acquired Kyrie. Like, everybody expected that the team, the team's production would just explode. And instead, you know, they're 33 and 31 right now, just barely over 500. Yeah, right. I mean, they lost some defense. Uh, they, Dallas just uh, – there's, there's too much uh, – two, two guys that need to have the ball. It's just not. A, it's just a weird dynamic, and like you said, Kid is just not doing his best coaching effort either. Yeah, and you know, believe it or not, the Lakers, the playoffs are within reach. It is. It is. They're only one game out. They're yeah. only one game out of both the Utah Jazz and the New Orleans Pelicans, so it's definitely possible that they could sneak their way into the play-in yeah. tournament. Because I mean, right now you got the Timberwolves, you got the Clippers, you got the Jazz and the Pelicans in the play-in tournament, and the Lakers are literally one game separates them between the Jazz uh, from the Jazz and the Pelicans. Wow! So do not be surprised if the Lakers can somehow sneak their way into that into the play-in tournament. Hmm. How long is LeBron out? Now, uh, a month, I think. Let me Something let me like double that. check that. Uh, at least three weeks, it says, with a right foot tendon injury. Oh wow! However, though Chris Haynes, you know, there he's receiving an argument from uh, Yahoo's Chris Haynes, who who believes that LeBron could probably play on that foot injury. Uh, I don't know. And also it says that uh, he will not require surgery. Um, 
but I mean, let's put it this way: he, Chris Haynes, has been an NBA reporter for years, so he knows, yes. you know, he knows what players play through and whatnot, and the risk of, uh, you know, the the extent of players' injuries, uh, previous injuries. He said he uh, was mentioned as saying, "Could he go out there and play right now? It would be a risk. Could if he necessarily had to? So it's too there. much of a risk. The guy's a machine. If he has to, he'll get out there. He'll do it. Yeah. It says though that the plan is right now for to give him as much time to heal for his rehab process, but they have to win. They have to keep winning. They need to buy LeBron time. Right. Yeah." So, uh, they do have one of the NBA's easiest remaining schedules in terms of strength of opponent. So, you know, that could be a good sign for, for the Lakers, even without LeBron James. Uh, with them having one of the easiest remaining schedules, you could potentially see L.A. make a run for the playoffs. Do not be surprised at all if you see them sneak in. Wow. Yeah. What about that? They're dangerous. I had a guy Vanderbilt they added. Jared Vanderbilt had like 14 points, like 19 rebounds the other night. Right. Uh, if Anthony Davis can resemble anything that Anthony Davis used to be. Yeah, and Beasley's a great shooter. I mean, yeah, LA's going to be dangerous. And also you have to take into account as well. Uh, the fact that uh, the New Orleans Pelicans have seemingly have seemingly been collapsing essentially the last couple of uh, the last couple of weeks, you know they're not the same team that at one point was in the mix for a guaranteed playoff spot. You know it seems like ever since uh, ever since Zion Williamson got injured, they're they they've basically falling apart essentially. Ooh, what a three by Lopez. Ooh, yeah man, he's, he's found the fountain of youth. He's he's found the fountain of youth and the, the fountain That's of youth. That's when you think they were not gonna make it. He's playing a lot better now. Oh man. You know, it's another thing too is the ball movement from Philly. The ball movement has been pretty sloppy tonight. Yes. Yeah. That's why they're losing so, right now. You know, it's no, it's no wonder why they haven't been able to really put anything together offensively. Uh, you know what? I want to switch topics real quick here before I forget, because uh, we talked a little bit about this on your show, Lou. Uh, Jake Paul finally fought a real fighter. Yep. In in Tommy Fury, the uh, younger brother of heavyweight champion Tyson Fury. And I got to tell you right now, uh, I actually am impressed with Jake Paul. Yeah. I'm impressed because Paul took so many huge shots from Tommy Fury even though honestly i i had tommy fury absolutely dominating him for the fight i had uh at the most i had jake paul winning one or two rounds maybe but for some for some reason 
you know, I'm trying to see if I can if I can find the scorecard here. Uh, Tommy Fury ended up winning by split decision, and honestly, in my opinion, it it wasn't a split decision. Tommy Fury had won that fight, period, on my scorecard. Uh, the, so the scores were 75-74 in favor of Jake Paul and 76-73 in favor of Tyson Fury. I I had the the fight just like that, 70, 76-73. Uh, if anything, it would have been 77-73 if it wasn't for, for Tommy Fury being knocked down uh, in that final round like he was. Um, and honestly, it wasn't even a knockdown. It was like a slip, if right. anything, that he ended up, he ended up slipping, but they, but they called it a knockdown, though. So right. uh, essentially, Tommy Fury ended up winning. And the official, as far as, far as the official uh, point totals, uh, Jake Paul connected on 31% of his total punches, 49 of 157. Tommy Fury connected on 29%, 88 of 100 or er, 88 of 302. Uh, However, he, the, the the significant difference was Tommy Fury had about 25 more power shots landed than Jake Paul did, uh, 49 power shots compared to 24. Uh, you know, this was – it was an eight-round fight. This was, if anything, the first legitimate fighter that Jake Paul had faced and or the first legitimate boxer, I should say, that Jake Paul had faced. And I got to tell you, I am impressed that Jake yeah. Paul took so many huge shots from Fury uh, that, and yet, and yet, he never got knocked down. You know, it, it honestly, it looked like Fury was going to knock him down at one point, but Paul, Paul was still standing essentially, and. I mean, I did see that Paul was starting to gas around the fifth uh around the fifth round and Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, you know, I just uh, I I had this fear in my in my head that uh that something would happen the refs would end up uh or the uh the judges would end up uh would end up giving Paul in a controversial victory when mm-hmm. it was clear as day that Paul uh, did not outfight Tommy Fury. I mean, granted, Paul had the ten-eight round in the final round because of the knockdown. But apart from that, it wasn't. You, you no. know, the the fight was mainly controlled. Like there was there was one judge that gave. Uh, yeah, I know. That gave that gave round two to Jake Paul when it was clear as day that the first two rounds went to Tommy Fury. And they also gave round five to Jake Paul when really that round went to Tommy Fury as well. And plus there were a couple of point deductions too, which I, you know, I find this kind of funny that, uh, you know, Jake Paul had been, had been grabbing uh, Tommy Fury pretty much almost the entire fight. Yeah. Fury grabbed Jake Paul once, and 
and uh, Fury got a point deducted, even though Jake Paul had been grabbing right. Fury almost the entire fight. Uh, but then there, there was also uh, a strike to the back of the head of Tommy Fury, and they ended up deducting a point from Jake Paul as well for that. So, uh, you know, the refs it, 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 or the, the ref just seemed like he was wanting to basically insert himself into this fight instead of just leaving, letting the two uh, fight it out. But, I, I mean, you know, that's really the only gripe I had with it, that and the fact that it was a split decision when it should have been a unanimous decision. Uh, Jake Paul did exercise his automatic rematch, which I found – Tell me how this makes sense, that Jake Paul, if Jake Paul lost, which he did, he would get an automatic rematch uh, opportunity. However, if Tommy Fury lost, if Fury lost, he wouldn't get an automatic rematch opportunity. Yeah, I don't think that makes any sense. I don't think it does, to be honest. That sounds kind of weird. One gets a guaranteed rematch, the other doesn't. Yes. Yeah. Something doesn't make sense here. I mean, Alex, doesn't that doesn't that sound kind of fishy to you? I was just gonna say. Yeah, that. something's not right there. I was looking into that a little. Something's not adding up there. Uh, I don't know about that one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just flat out ridiculous, quite frankly. Um, man, the, just. I I I I will say though that I am definitely impressed with uh, I I am impressed with with uh, Jake Paul being able to uh, you know being able to uh, to take so much punishment from Tommy Fury and still you know be able still be able to. Uh, to stay standing, that he was not, he wasn't knocked down in all eight rounds, and this I believe was actually the furthest that he's gone in his uh, in any of his pro fights so far. Was uh, was an eight minute round, or uh, I mean, uh, an eight round fight. Uh, another big too. fight. He, he was actually humble. He was actually not being a complete jerk. I mean, Paul. He sounded a little bit. Like, uh, okay, he's got the better of me, but I was a little injured. I mean, he was making some excuses, but he'll be back. I'm not a big Paul fan, but he'll be back. Well, yeah, yeah and he he even he even said to he even said to uh, after he said after he mentioned the injury, he said that's not an excuse. I'm not trying to make an excuse. Uh, but he did acknowledge, you know, that uh, his training camp kind of did go a little bit off track. Uh, towards the uh, towards the end of the of the camp, and you know, honestly, I think that was probably just his way of trying to uh, of trying to, or you know, suck up to his fans a little bit. Yes, because his fans his fans uh, the the YouTube uh, idiots, you know, they see him as basically. Or YouTube or TikTok idiots, yeah. whoever. I, I don't know if he's even on TikTok actually, but <laughs> you know they see him as being like this, uh, like this superhuman being. Like there's no way that he could ever do any wrong. There's no way that he could lose a yeah. fight. Uh, on, that he could lose a fight legitimately. Um, you know, whatever. 
It's but you know, regardless though, it's uh I I was impressed, you know, after all the uh, after all the shit talking I've uh, I've done about him. Um even last week I had mentioned that, you know, uh his brother if anything was more impressive as a boxer. Uh I was actually impressed by by what he was able to do against Tommy Fury. So I can't really call myself a Chris or I can't call myself a Jake Paul hater anymore. Uh, he, he really did impress me last week. So yeah, it kind of stuff that he hadn't before. I mean, hats off to him. He like, I mean, I just wasn't a big fan of his personality at first, but you know, he went pretty hard. Got to give him some I respect. Think the, I, I think the problem is he needs to work on his conditioning. If he can work on his conditioning and work on his stamina, uh, because it, it really did look like he was gassed out uh, around around the or he was gassing out around the fifth round. Yeah. So you know he needs to work on his conditioning. He needs to work a little bit on his stamina. But I mean, he he can land some pretty hard shots too himself. Um, and another thing too is he needs to work. He needs to work on when he actually throws those punches. When when he actually uh, lands those shots, because I mean there were there were quite a few wasted uh, quite a few wasted shots that he threw. Yeah, that didn't go anywhere. So uh, there's another fight that's on tap for tonight. Uh, John Jones he looks to take the heavyweight crown. Uh, the vacated heavyweight crown from Cyril Gane, uh, who had his interim status taken away from him by uh, Francis Ngannou uh, before Francis Ngannou was released from the UFC. So uh, John Jones looks to uh, looks to become the the first fighter to go from, or I, I shouldn't say first actually, because because uh, Daniel Cormier actually did that, went from light heavyweight to heavyweight, and uh, won the title, won the title in both divisions. Oh, Philly takes the lead. Philly takes the lead. Philly, Philly. Oh shit. Their first lead since being up 45 to 44. And they had a 13-point lead going into the fourth. I didn't know they that. They did, I yeah. Oh, and that's a, that's a that's an offensive foul by uh or that that's a defensive foul actually by uh Uh-oh. by Milwaukee. So is that going to be Oh wait, no, that's an offensive foul technically. So that is a turnover. Yeah. Officially. Okay. So essentially, uh, this will probably cause Milwaukee to. Uh, oh no, they are uh, they are automatically shooting free throws. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, but you know what? We were talking about John Jones last week and how he looks at his uh, or how he looked at his uh, weight. He weighed in at I think like 248 for this fight, and honestly, he kind of looks like a bigger version of himself at, at 205. I am kind of terrified of what he could do against Cyril Gane tonight, potentially. Oh, 
So, I mean, this could be this could potentially be a pretty quick uh, a pretty quick fight if if Jones has anywhere close to the uh, punching power or to to the the punching or kicking power that he had in the uh, light heavyweight division. Uh, obviously, he's probably going to have more because of uh, the increased weight class. Uh, this could be a pretty quick fight tonight, potentially. What time does that start, Steve? Uh, probably. I assume usually the uh, usually the main the the main event goes at twelve o'clock. So I would say twelve, maybe twelve thirty, depending on because they just had the first fight of the main card. I think so. Um, so I don't know. It could be no. They had the. They just had the second fight. So depending on how quick finish, uh, maybe twelve o'clock. So right when we get off the air here. Mm-hmm. But I'm hanging out here in Florida, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I mean, it should, it should be. It should be uh, definitely, definitely something to watch. You know, I'm I'm mainly interested because John Jones, you know, he's 35. Uh, he hasn't fought in a couple of years. You know, will he be the same fighter that he won that that he was uh, when he last fought? See if he can knock the rust off. That's a long time for any professional you know, athlete. Because, you know, Joe Rogan has said it numerous times in the past that he believed that John Jones could be a huge threat if he stepped up to heavyweight. That, uh, you know, when he was light heavyweight champion, everybody was wanting him to fight Brock Lesnar when Lesnar was the heavyweight champion. Uh, a lot of people wanted him to face uh, Francis Ngannou before Ngannou uh, ended up being a little... Uh, being a little baby about his contract. Uh, you know, everybody has been clamoring for him to move up to the heavyweight division for years. Yeah. Wow. And now he finally, now he's finally moving up. So, so we'll see, uh, we'll see what, what he, what he may be able to do potentially tonight against the Rogane. Now, going, what's that? I said it's going to be interesting to watch for sure. Right, yeah. No, it's definitely going to be very interesting to watch. Uh, in the, Going back to the NBA for a little bit here, uh, LaMelo Ball, he has a fractured right ankle, so he will miss the remainder of the season for the uh, for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, it doesn't really matter anyways because Charlotte is basically they have one of the worst records in the league and they're essentially tanking for the rest of the season to try and get Victor Wembanyama. So, uh, uh-huh. I I still don't know so, about Ball. He's awesome like highlights and stats, but the, well the whole team they don't play defense. It's like running gun. They're just Terry Rozier, Gordon Haywood, couple Celtics there. I don't know. What do you think about Lamelo Ball? He's so hyped up. Do you think he's like a superstar or not? No, he's better than no, Lonzo. No. Yeah, he's definitely better than Lonzo. 
you know, I could see him potentially. I mean, he's the fa- he's considered to be the face of the franchise right now for for uh, you know Charlotte. Yeah, I, I mean, you t- look at the you look at the numbers he puts. He was shooting forty one point one percent this year from the field, twenty three point three points per game, six point four rebounds, eight point four assists. I mean, those are numbers like the, those. He could potentially turn into a triple double type of player. Yeah, that's true. And he's only twenty one. Jordan just yeah. done, uh, the GM and owner. Uh, I, they just they've been bad for like five or seven years now. They have. I mean, they need to they need to start getting good quick. I mean, it's been dreadful in Charlotte. Right. Uh, they they uh, they had won their last five games before he got injured too. Wow, interesting. Yeah, uh, actually, yeah the 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 game that he last played uh, was against Detroit when he got injured, uh, where he only played twenty one minutes. But that was that was uh, part of their uh, five game winning streak at the time uh, back on the twenty seventh. So okay. I mean, you know, there's still there there's still a bunch of development that he's still going through. I mean, he 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 had the best season of his career so far through three years uh, this season. He improved in every single category. Uh, well, except rebounds. Rebounds went down a little bit, but not by much. Um, so you know, I think. I think he's definitely he's definitely better than his brother. Uh yeah. the problem the problem with Charlotte is not is not ball. The problem with Charlotte is the fact that they just can't they can't bring in meaningful talent. You know yeah. what I mean? They can't they can't bring in meaningful talent like attra- attract somebody uh, like who would be a difference maker essentially, and it doesn't help either that one of their uh, you know one of their big free agents uh, had all those uh, had all those problems that forced them to release uh, you know to not uh, to not give him an extension, and there's a reason why he's still a free agent right now uh, because of the domestic violence. Uh, issues. Yeah, that was big. I'm losing him. Um, yeah. Yeah, and Mark Williams, the rookie from Duke, has been playing pretty good at center for Charlotte. I just, I, I don't know. I remember early on in the season, the, the coach was so pissed. He was, he, he, he said to the media, he's like, literally, I don't even know what to do with this group. They will not play defense, which is pretty embarrassing. Tens of millions of dollars, like they just don't give effort on the defensive end of the court, like the whole team. Well, you know, if anything, I would say I would wow. say that's on I would say that's on Michael Jordan. If anything, the fact that he's he's basically uh, drafted only offensive play he's only brought in only offensive players and nobody that real it's like it's like basically bringing in a whole bunch of power hitters onto a baseball team. That don't yeah. that, that that don't play. It's like if you took uh, nine Giancarlo Stantons and put them all on the field nine. to play every position. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, you know, Rose Deer, he's he can light it up, but I mean, he'll he'll shoot like fourteen. Terry Rose Deer will shoot. He'll go like four for four. He'll go like four for fourteen from three, and then Lamella Ball will shoot like three for twelve. Like they just jack it up. Right. I don't know. They and Hayward. I mean, Gordon Hayward. Love the guy, but he's he's definitely not what he was. He's he's like a decent. He's he's a role player at best now. I mean, they just they need a huge. If they got one by honor, that'd be awesome. I mean, first yeah. I want Portland to, as a beleaguered Blazer fan. I mean, he looks incredible, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. My and, Phil, and Philly does officially win tonight, one thirty-three to one thirty. Uh, so that's a that's a pretty big win for Philadelphia with a win over the Bucks like that. Um, Philly still stays at number three in the East. Uh, Milwaukee that snaps their 16 game winning streak. Their first loss since January 21st. Wow! Uh, I'm being the whole month of February. Pretty cool by Harden. Yeah, the Bucks will be just fine. Yeah, they'll be just fine. They they're not going to be uh, going anywhere anytime soon. Um, it's a bigger so. turn for like the twelve year old Bucks fans that are there. In the big picture, the Bucks will be. They'll take the Sixers out in the playoffs. Although this gives the Sixers a little confidence heading into the postseason. It, 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 that's true. That's true. It does. It does give the Sixers a, a little bit of confidence here uh, moving forward, especially. Uh, In- Especially with a big win over a team like the Bucks, uh, considering the fact that that Philly hasn't been able to do anything against Boston, uh, the fact that they were able to to overcome the Bucks tonight uh, should give them quite the uh, confidence booster. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, within the league, uh, Nerlens Noel, he signed a contract with the Nets after he was bought out by Detroit. Uh, so he now joins a playoff team that la- seriously lacks big man depth behind uh, Nicholas Claxton at center. So he will slide in as the backup center for the Brooklyn Nets, but you know, obviously, still a lot, still a lot of work to be done in Brooklyn, anyways. Uh, but you say that again. <laughs> Come on, Luke, keep the faith. You were doing so well for the trade. Uh, some uh, some Major League Baseball news: uh, Andrew Painter of the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, he reported elbow tenderness after his outing on Wednesday against the Boston Red Sox, and he ended up being sent for tests. So uh, it looks like even if they co- even if everything comes back fine for him, this likely rules him out as a possibility for a rotation uh, start for the start of the season. So now it looks like Bailey Falter is probably going to be locked in as the Phillies' fifth starter with Andrew Painter. Uh, experience experiencing elbow tenderness. Uh, yeah, and not just that, but his uh, spring training is probably over. Uh, another, another yeah, uh, injury too. Vladimir Vladimir Guerrero yeah. Jr. is also injured. Oh yeah, I heard there would be more precautionary, but yeah, for Vladdy Daddy. But yeah, Painter. I mean, that's the dread. Uh, Tommy John's sounds like it's there's something. Something funky in his elbow. 
Potentially, yes. I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's Tommy John right now. Uh, like they didn't really uh, like it said elbow tenderness, but they didn't really say that Tommy John was an option. Okay. So it looks like if anything, it's just it's just a little setback. Uh, you know, maybe it'll cause him to miss the rest of spring training, but that's it. And maybe a little bit of the regular season. Uh, okay. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Though uh, he underwent a precautionary MRI yesterday that revealed some minor right knee inflammation. Uh, however, the MRI did rule out any structural damage in his knee uh, following uh, yesterday's uh, exit due to right knee discomfort. Uh, he isn't expected to require a lengthy absence, but it sounds like that he will not play in the World Baseball Classic. And uh, his spring training, as a precaution, his spring training uh, days may be over for uh, for this for this year's spring training for the wow. uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, now going to the glass department, James Paxton is injured once again. Surprise, surprise. Shocker. Uh, Chris Sale, you are now on deck for the Red Sox injury list coming up soon. Yeah, Kluber, uh, too. J- yeah. Oh, yeah. Corey Kluber. That, yeah, that's another one, too. Uh, nice you one get, time. Uh, you get injured making a pina colada. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but Paxton, uh, he was diagnosed with a grade one right hamstring strain. Uh, the positive news is that it's the least severe grade for a hamstring strain, but uh, it likely means that Paxton is probably going to have an extended spring training because he won't have enough time to build up his pitch count and stamina in advance of the Red Sox season opener in a few weeks. So now, because of this, it looks like Tanner Houck and Cutter Crawford will be locked into Boston's season opening rotation until Paxton and Garrett Whitlock, who's still dealing with a hip issue, uh, still dealing with a recovery from hip surgery, and Brian Bello uh, with forearm soreness are ready to return. Uh, until then, Tanner Houck and Cutter Crawford are probably going to be getting some starts to start off the year, which, I mean, I guess it could be worse. Uh, Cutter Crawford was actually pretty good last year, uh, despite the lack of uh, the lack of starters for Boston. Uh, also, the Colorado Rockies, they signed free agent left-hander Brad Hand to a one-year $2 million deal uh, with uh-huh. a $7 million club option for 2024. And also, he will receive an additional million dollars if he's on Colorado's opening day roster. And it also includes a $500,000 buyout. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. Obviously, I mean, spring training is, you know, spring tra- spring training is spring training, so not, nothing yeah. else really notable in Major League Baseball right now. I've got, I've got him in my uh, dynasty. So I'm a little bit biased, but I've got him in my dynasty fantasy league. But uh, Jordan Walker just hit two 440-foot home runs today. 
20 years old, 6'5", 230, uh, St. Louis Cardinals, 20 years old. That guy's going to be like the next. I mean, I'm talking like Julio Rodriguez level. I mean, keep an eye for him. Yeah. He's moving up quickly. They're making room for him. He's playing like he's 6'5", 230, like Dave Winfield, old school. Um, He's like got, he's like, he could steal 30 bases too. And he's the third baseman. Or first baseman, they're like, well, we have or- Arenado and uh, Goldie, Goldschmidt. So he's like, okay, now he's playing center field, left field, and he's just got – I mean, the guy's like just five tools, megastar. Mm. Coming. He's just turned 20 years old. I think he's going to be the next big thing in the MLB. Oh, you know what? Let me get – since you weren't here last week, Alex, uh, let me get your th- – what are your thoughts on the pitch clock? With I like them it a instituting- lot. With them instituting a pitch clock that now 15 seconds, uh, that basically uh, within 15 seconds, the pitcher has to be in their windup to getting ready to deliver a pitch. I like it a lot. It's a necessary change. I mean, look at our world. You were talking about with a couple of these characters, some of the people playing sports, many, many of the fans now watching sports, TikTok, short attention spans. Yeah. I mean, baseball is slowly losing its luster and losing some of the younger fans, especially. So speed it up, Especially. more offense, more, more base stealing. It's like the extra inning rule, too. But you get the thing going in motion and, and no, you know, 35-minute long innings and breaks and stoppage. I mean, they're speeding up the sport because the younger generation, especially, falling more in love, more, more and more in love with the, the faster sports. It just is what it is. They're, right. they're, you know, they're just making it a quicker sport in so many words. That's that's my take on it. Yeah, you know, it, it, it does kind of make sense. Go ahead, Lou. And it's about time they did. I mean, it's been dragging yeah, for, like, for so many years. And, you know, I mean, I'm trying, man, I love it. I used to, nine innings, really? Yeah, I used to love going watching, you know, growing up, even though I'm not a Yankees fan, you know, I would go into, in the Bronx with, like, Don Mattingly and with my dad and Dave Winfield. And yeah. It's cool being at the game. It's like the hot dogs and everything, but it's just a different society now. It's a different generation of fans. They want right. fast, fast-paced action. So it's like it's decided by uh, the younger generation, really. Yeah. What took you so long? Yeah, I agree. And I've seen it from uh, just watching, like even being in Florida, I've been watching a little bit of spring training, like Rays and Cardinals and Mets and, I like it. It's more. It's more. There's more action. There's less sitting yeah. around. And I still like right. people. You know, the broadcasters can still the play-by-play guys can still tell their stories. Baseball is an old-school traditional game, but now it's going to be a little bit quicker and a little bit more action. So I definitely like it. Yeah, and also, uh, also some other news around the league as well. Uh, the Padres they have agreed to a new deal with Manny Machado after it was announced that Machado would not uh, – or after it was announced that he was going to opt out of his 10-year deal this winter, uh, they have now signed him to an 11-year, $350 million extension, uh, which will put him through the age of 41, basically, at the end of his contract. Uh and he finished last year with 32 homers and 102 RBIs while batting 298. So 
Needless to say, Manny Machado is basically going to be a Padre for the rest of his career. Yeah, that was a the guy. They, the Mets were definitely talking about him with Otani. Obviously, they missed out on – things didn't line up with Correa. Yeah, Machado was going to be the next guy for third base. But, yeah, I mean, he's definitely uh, – a lot of people didn't like him that much. I was, I've never been a big fan, but he's grown up a, grown up a lot. He is a really great player now. And yeah. he's not going up And now he's staying in San Diego. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Dodgers manager Dave Roberts has announced that Gavin Lux will miss the entire season after yeah. being diagnosed with a torn ACL in his right knee. Uh, he ended up being carted off of the field of Monday's Cactus League contest against the Padres after his right knee buckled awkwardly while ducking to avoid a throw on the base path. Uh, so now it looks like uh, veteran infielder Miguel Rojas will take over as their starting shortstop at the outset of the regular season. Yeah, and, they're, and they're looking from Bellinger, Justin Turner, uh, obviously Trey Turner. Dude, the, I mean, the Dodgers have lost half of their lineup. Pretty it's much. Crazy. And the Padres. Are, championship the Padres. This year. And look at the Padres, man, arming, getting armed and ready. They've got a ton of talent going to be the San Diego's division, I think. I mean, as well, like, Dodgers are going to try to hold like them up. Would say, San Diego's got a lot more talent now than the Dodgers. That's a big rivalry out there. Well, Steve, I'll put it, well, um, actually, Alex, I'll put it this way. Who is going to the Dodgers meet the Dodgers themselves? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the Padres you know, now have, uh, the, the Padres have uh, $17 uh, trillion invested in five different shortstops. They're going all in. <laughs> yeah, and let's face let's face it. At this point, and, and you know, they apparently they continue to sign players too. So, uh, you know, the Padres, the Padres, I guess uh, their days of signing people are never going to end. Essentially, uh, can you imagine I, that? Can you imagine that? Just look at that roster of what they've done the last couple of years. Real quick on the Padres, uh, yeah. Tatis, then Machado move them out of shortstop, and then um, Bogarts. They added, like, three of the most expensive shortstops ever in in a couple different off-seasons in a row. Crazy. They're loading up. Yeah, you know, it makes you wonder how the hell do they not make the World Series this year? How is everything going to fall apart? Yeah, they, I mean, they smoked the, the Mets last year in that round. Yeah, I mean, not a Padres fan, but, I mean, that team, and, and obviously Soto, Jesus. They have like an all-star lineup. Yeah, somehow, so, somehow something's gonna fall apart for them. Basically, Soto's the other guy. the guy that Mets gonna target with Otani. We'll see yeah. next year. So it's always next year. It's always next year with the Mets. We'll see. That's what everybody says. I'd prefer it to be this year, but it's always next year. Uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, out of Tampa Bay, uh, Tyler Glass now will be out six to eight weeks after being diagnosed with a grade two left oblique strain. Uh, as uh, Rays manager Kevin Cash had told reporters on Tuesday that he will that their ace will miss the start of the regular season after suffering the injury during a live batting practice session back on Monday. Uh, the positive news, though, is that his ETA is mid to late April barring any setbacks. 
Right. So he will likely be play. He will likely be replaced by Yanni Chirinos, uh, Josh Fleming, Luis Patino, and or a, a top pitching prospect Taj Bradley at the outset of the regular season. So uh, not looking good early on for the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, they also have Taj Bradley. I've been, it's interesting being out here. I always like watching the Rays. Like I, I try to come to Florida like once a year. And right now the spring training heating up. They have a really good young team. They always seem to have a good young team. But last night was a big loss for about up to two months. But um, they signed uh, Zach Eflin from the Phillies. And as you guys know, whatever pitchers they have turned to gold. It seems like. And they have another crop of uh, really good young players coming in, along with Wander Franco, Rosarina, Brandon Lau. I mean, yeah, yeah, the Rays are going to be good. They're, they're always, they just always make get the job done somehow. They always have pitching, that's for sure. Yeah. Also, uh, what's it called? Going over to the NFL, uh, do not be surprised if come draft day, we see a run by Anthony Richardson of the Florida Gators. Yeah. As his draft stock is starting to rise after a huge draft combine this week, uh, setting the NFL, the NFL combine record for a quarterback vertical jump with a 40 and a half inch vertical. Uh, not to mention he also ran, I think it was like a 4.46 40 yard time. I think. Yeah. Something like that. Blowing up the combine. Yeah. I mean, for a guy who everybody was looking at as a mid to late first round pick, and even some teams had him as a fourth round pick, uh, right. his draft stock has shot up tremendously to the point of where uh, Vegas betting odds have him at plus 300 to be the number one overall pick. There's no way I would ever do that as a GM. And let me just tell you, I mean, yeah, it looks awesome on, on, on the highlights, but, I mean, come on. We watched him in college. In workout warrior, I don't know. The game was in college. I don't know. I don't know. Did the Gators not have much, enough talent around him? Because no. he was really inconsistent in college. No. I mean, maybe. Let's also remember it is the SEC. So, yeah. That's uh, true. But, I mean, number one overall, no way. I, maybe like a no. late first rounder. I no, just, I would yeah. say if anything a mid. I would say if anything a mid to late first rounder. I I am kind of surprised that he's being looked at as a potential number one overall pick by. And normally Vegas doesn't do that unless they know something. They heard normally something from Vegas. The, yeah. Yeah. No. Normally Vegas. They don't. They, they don't, don't give make, away money in Vegas. Yeah. You know they don't put those. They don't put those. Uh, those lines up unless. Or they don't make adjustments to lines unless they've heard something definite, uh, definitive. They get the they they get the first word. That's why Vegas is still building pyramids out in the out in the desert. So they know they definitely know something. And it's you know it's just it's just really surprising, honestly, the fact that he's even in contention. I mean, for the number one overall about quarterback. Well, we're talking about quarterbacks real quick, Steve and Lou. I mean, look. I mean, who's the best? Sorry, my dog Prince Harry is acting up. Who's the, who's the top? I mean, if you're a GM, if you notice the draft um, order for the top five picks, they almost all of them except Chicago need a quarterback. I mean, who is the? 
Is there one guy that you go right away, oh, that's the one I pick? Is there a clear-cut number Bryce, one quarterback? Bryce Young. Bryce yeah. Young. Just my opinion. Uh, you know, some say C.J. Stroud. Some say Bryce Young. I think it's Bryce Young. You know, Stroud, a lot of people say that he was kind of carried by the by the offense. Uh, by the wide receivers that they had at uh, uh, that they had a, at Ohio State, um, but young, young, you know, young comes out of the Alabama quarterback system, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, they they just basically if if he's coming out of Alabama, uh, he has to be he has to be. Uh, Pretty damn good for him to, and for him to be like coming out of Alabama. Yeah, and he seems like a guy just to build on your on your really good point, Steve. I mean, coming out of that system, I mean, he's a smart, good leader. I mean, they 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 have great quarterbacks. So he doesn't have the best you know measurements because he's not the biggest guy. But I'd let him lead my team. I mean, Indianapolis might try to move up. They just they need a quarterback. The Texans obviously. I I, I guess they're gonna. I would take I would take Young over the rest. Uh, the the guy from Kentucky is really good too, but he's not as good as Young. Right. Yeah, because I, I mean I'm looking at uh, you know let me look, let me look at at both of their stat lines right now. Uh, yeah, I didn't mean to like hijack and I didn't mean to like no, that's all right. All the stuff. Yeah. No, that's all right because I'm uh I'm actually kind of curious myself. Um, I don't know. Looking at Bryce Young, 3,328 yards, 32 touchdowns, five picks, quarterback rating of 86.2. C.J. Stroud had 3,688 yards, 41 touchdowns, six picks, and 88.9 quarterback rating. But a lot of people believe that he was carried uh, by – uh, Jackson Enigba, whatever whatever his uh, yes. his top wide receiver's name was, and Marvin right, Harris. Right. Ohio Ohio State had much better weapons this year, at least, than Alabama. Better receivers, right? But I, I you know, I, I mean, I'm I'm looking right now at their last games. Uh, I mean, they both had they both had pretty similar last games. Uh, you know, I think you also have to take a look at the schedules that both teams had. Yeah. I mean, uh, C.J. Stroud put up a pretty good fight against Georgia. You know, four touchdowns, 67% completion, 348 yards. He got sacked four times. Uh, but overall, though, I mean, Alabama probably played the tougher schedule. and. I, I mean, a lot of that has to do with you know the uh, with with the uh, conference that they're in, but yeah. um, I mean, C.J. Stroud threw two picks against Michigan. He looked he looked kind of pedestrian against Michigan. Two touchdowns, two yeah. picks. He still threw well. for three four three uh, three hundred and forty nine yards, but uh. You know, it just—he just seemed kind of pedestrian, if anything. Yeah, Bryce Young's definitely the the creme de la creme out of that group, I think. And Texans also, are, let me take a look. Texans, uh yes, 
Well, no, no, no. Chicago is. Texans are number two. There's no way that, I mean, well, Chicago can talk all they want. Oh, we're going to take them. I would, I would sit at number two. No, but uh, there's a the, lot of talk. There's a lot of talk else, that no. the Texans are going to trade the pick, or not Texans that uh, Chicago is going to trade the yeah, pick. Exactly. So, so the Texans could sit tight and be like, "Oh, you're bluffing. You're not going to take a QB." But the thing is, someone else could trade with the uh, with Chicago and move ahead of them. So Texans might I'll tell have, you, if, want, if the Texans really want Bryce Young, they have to, they might have to move up just to make sure they get him. I'll tell you right now. Look out for Vegas. Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels wants to put his stamp on that team and bring in his guys. Look out for Vegas uh, potentially trading up to the number one pick. Offer, uh, they could offer this year's one and next year's one and, some, and a couple other things. I would not be surprised at all. I mean, there's a reason why they let Derek Carr go. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a reason why they haven't committed to Jay, to uh, Jarrett Stidham being the starting quarterback. Uh, they're planning on somebody else, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, whether it's uh, somebody from the draft. Well, I mean, granted, Aaron Rodgers is more likely probably going to be a Jet if I were to take a guess. Oh, that's awful. Is he uh, done with his peyote uh, mushroom trip, or is he back home yet, or yep. is he still in a closet somewhere? Oh, no, he came out. He came out just recently, actually. <laughs> and from the sounds of it, it sounds like he's going to make a decision fairly soon. He's at Lollapalooza. Yeah, he's making his big decision. So, I'll tell you what, the Green Bay Packers already decided. They already packed their bags. The bags are outside the complex. He's he's gone. Yeah, it's it sounds like he's going to – well, when I say make a decision, I mean make a decision as to whether or not he's going to – if he's going to stay <laughs> – uh, if he's going to stay playing or if he's going to retire, I think. Yeah, but I think it's time to go. Packers got to be so fed up. Just, just get out. He's just been just so much drama. If you don't want to be here. Just, just leave. Right. It's not fair to the rest of the team. Not rest. There's a lot of people involved in the team. Obviously, it's a, it's a proud franchise. Ton of fans. Every year. Oh, I don't know if I want to be here. Then, then just go. We'll trade you. I would trade him for right. where he doesn't want to be. Yeah. Uh, some other bits of news. The official price tag for Daniel Jones and the New York Giants, $45 million per year. Insanity. That's the official uh, price tag that Daniel Jones is looking for. Yeah, that's. That's like he can call his – he can name his uh, price tag. The Giants might move on and try to move up. If I he's mean, getting 45, if he's going to get 45, Mac Jones should get 50 per year. Oh, yes. yes. I will say, I still believe in Jones, but, I mean, Steve, to be fair, Jones did really – he turned it up a, a few notches this year. He did really – he played really well suddenly. So he, he did, might yeah. be coming into his own. With, uh, with Dable, he might have turned a big corner. Uh, well, he did – he did definitely step up his game, but no, he's not super. That's superstar quarterback money. He's not a superstar. What is he? No. Maybe the tenth. He maybe top twelve quarterback. I mean, I don't. I don't want to hijack it and start going on a big list. But no, Daniel Jones is not like a discussion for the best quarterback. 
That's like top five quarterback. Oh, yeah. There's no way he's not worth forty five million a year. No. But you know, still, I, I if 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 Daniel Jones is going to get forty five million, Mac Jones should get fifty because Mac Jones has pretty similar Absolutely. numbers. Yeah. Yes. Mac Jones needs so, to get DeAndre, but that's another discussion. But yeah, I mean, we haven't even seen the best of Mac Jones yet. He's got to get some more weapons. Well, there is a rumor. There is a rumor that DeAndre Hopkins might be on the move as early as this week. Yeah, no, we've 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 heard about that for a while now. They they have to make that happen because if not, someone else will. Second round pick. Yeah, second round pick is the price. Oh my God, that's a no brand. Would you do that in a second? Easily. Easily. Immediately. Easily. Send the deal. Accepted. Immediately. Deal accepted. If they are, if they take either a second or, th- or third round pick, I would easily take it because you know that Belichick isn't going to take a, a wide receiver high anyways. So he, he uh, fits the, the Patriots better than any team. Younger quarterback, proud franchise. Belichick getting a little bit older. He's mutual the interest the between him and Belichick. Uh, mu- mutual interest between him and Belichick. Yep. Mutual respect, I should say, between him and Belichick. Got sick of him and uh, the diva midget out in Arizona. He doesn't want to play for Kyler Murray. He wants to play for Belichick and Mac Jones. Right. Yeah. Uh, de- definitely, without you know, without a doubt, I think uh, it's a no-brainer. If if Belichick is given the option to potentially acquire him for just a first-round – or uh, not a first-round, for just a second-round pick – you automatically take that. Uh, you take that offer, dude. He's not even thirty-four or thirty-five. What is Hopkins is like? You know, not like entering his prime, but he's like still in his prime. He's probably around he thirty. Is. Yes, he needs a legitimate quarterback to be thrown to him. Somebody who has the arm power and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is not that guy. <laughs> no, he's so overrated. Because he has to first, he has yeah. to stop playing Call of Duty in order to uh, in order to actually uh, take football seriously. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't really know the playbook, but he makes like eighty million a year. Pretty good. Yeah. What are you doing, coaching? Uh, also, good news, by the way, uh, Lou. It looks like uh, Jalen Ramsey to the Dallas Cowboys is heating up. Okay. Wow. It sounds like the Cowboys are set to acquire him uh, from the L.A. Rams because Ram, right. the Rams are looking – the Rams are looking to uh, ramp up uh, trade talks, and the Cowboys are considered to be the front runners. For a first rounder? Uh, maybe. Maybe a first rounder. Yeah, I mean, they'd be but, awesome with Diggs. They, Dallas yeah, already has pairing, a defense. That'd be sick. Exactly. Pairing him up with Trayvon Diggs. Can you mm-hmm. imagine how terrifying that secondary is going to be? Oh, yeah. I can just imagine. Lou, would you give up a first rounder for him? Uh, no, I don't think I would. You wouldn't? You would? Really? For for Ramsey? 
I mean, let me see. Let me see. How old is Ramsey? Ramsey is twenty-eight. Yeah, four he more, five four, more. He had four picks this year, three forced fumbles. Uh, he was tied. He was tied, or no? He was second in the league with eighteen passes deflected. Uh, he had sixty-four tackles solo. Uh. And he also sacked uh, the quarterback twice. Twice? And actually, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe he was part of, yeah, he was the he was part of that Super Bowl team uh, last year. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, you know, he has he has the statistics that would warrant at least a second round, maybe first round pick. Yeah, I mean, he's the so, first all famer, top two, top three corner in the game. Possibly, yeah. Well, yeah, he's definitely a top two, top three corner. Uh, currently playing, but uh, I don't know about first ballot Hall of Famer yet. Uh, but uh, yeah, but I get what you're actually, saying, though. I mean, he should, unless he drops off a cliff. I think he's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. But yeah, he's right. I don't know. Dal- Dallas. I mean, do they need him more than they need a first round pick? I don't know. Uh, someone else. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, th- I think they need him more than they need a first-round pick because if we know yeah. anything about Dallas and first-round picks – oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of the Jets. Never mind. The Jets are the I only team that – Thanks a lot. I'd pick another wide receiver, another awesome wide receiver. I mean, they already have a good defense. I don't know who they're losing, but on paper right now, they have a good defense already. I don't yeah, think they, they like have- – and yeah. after my show, who do you think the Jets would take as a quarterback? Who would like to see him take as a quarterback? Uh, you know, honestly, I think I have them going. I think I have them taking. Uh, I have them acquiring either Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr. I don't think they'll take anybody in the draft. I think I'll take my chances on Carr. I don't think uh, Rodgers has it anymore. I think go yeah, I think well, Jets, the Jets agree with us, but I think. Uh, the New Orleans Saints are like they keep saying they're apparently they're uh, they're close to getting Carr. I don't know. I yeah. I hope that he winds up in New York. Oh, so It'd be more fun to follow if he was a Jet. Sure. Yeah, I mean I don't know because uh, although the Saints have a lot of weapons, I don't know. I think it also depends because I think Rodgers has a contract still. Uh, I don't I don't think he's a free agent uh, so. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Jets would have to acquire him through trade, and I think they would probably rather sign somebody than have to acquire. Because uh, I mean, they'd have to give up a significant amount probably to get Rodgers. Yes. So I think it's probably more likely that that uh, that Derek Carr uh, becomes a Jet before before Aaron Rodgers becomes a Jet. Because Woody Johnson, he's not going to want to uh, 
you know, he he likes protecting his his uh, per, more more particularly his first round uh, draft picks. You know, he doesn't give up first rounders uh, like it's nothing. And plus, you know, they're still building a young team, so you know, acquiring Aaron Rodgers would kind of defeat the purpose while, uh, you know, Derek Carr still has a few more years left, uh, a few more years of meaningful football left. So I think they would be more likely to sign Carr and then use, you know, use their first-round pick for – I don't know. I don't know what they would address if they would address offense or defense first. Uh, but probably defense. This is horrible. Yeah, yeah, probably. You know, they would. I, I, I still, th- I, I think that they that they definitely value that. Uh, you know, they value that that pick a lot more than acquiring Aaron Rodgers with it. So. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people see. are sick and tired of. A lot, I think a lot of people are sick and tired of the Aaron Rodgers act. Yeah, so, I don't know. We'll see where he ends up. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, the Cowboys. It's expected that they will place the franchise tag on Tony Pollard if they do not agree to a long-term deal before Tuesday's franchise tag deadline. As he will count for ten million against the cap if he plays under the tag, uh, they also plan to restructure Ezekiel Elliott's contract, so uh, Elliott will return at a lesser cost. Also, the Raiders. It looks like they plan to put the franchise tag on Josh Jacobs if no deal is yeah. reached by Tuesday's deadline. Um, and Jacobs has already hinted that the, that he would possibly play on the franchise tag if the Raiders loaded up around him. So uh, they're still trying to figure out what they're going to do in particular. Yeah. I, that's uh, looks right like Devontae, Devontae Adams, that's Aaron Rodgers right there, Vegas. Car yeah. to the Jets, Rodgers to the Raiders. That's my prediction. Uh, looks like looks like uh, Dolphins cornerback Byron Jones may have revealed his retirement, as he mm-hmm. revealed in a social media post that he can't run or jump because of injuries sustained playing the game of football, nearly yeah. a year removed from Achilles surgery. And he said it was an honor and privilege to play in the NFL, but it came at a regrettable cost I did not foresee. And he continued by expressing a note of caution to the incoming rookies before deleting those posts in under an hour. So uh, it sounds like he will be released by Miami once the new year begins, and he will probably then retire from what it sounds like. Out Out of what was a once dominant career, uh, by one of the more dominant cornerbacks in the uh, in the league, and now yeah. all of a sudden, been reduced to nothing essentially because of injuries. Right. And he had I read something about him. He had a pretty 
emotional post, uh, he publicly broadcast it that he was really uh, not happy with the training staff and the, I guess the NFL. He's going to file a big lawsuit, apparently. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, quite frankly, you know, they did a whole poll uh, from players of different teams uh, rating different parts of their uh, of each team, like their uh, like their training staff and everything. And quite frankly, there were a lot of there were a lot of players who were very blunt about their uh, about some of their uh, some of their teams. I mean, wow. some of the ratings were horrific. Like, uh, like they rated everything, uh, everything ranging from the training staff to coaching staff to locker room to training equipment. They basically they they gave a letter grade to basically everything that you could think of yeah. travel wow. uh family management, which oh my god some of the uh you know so, some of the grades for family management oh my god uh <laughs> unbelievable around the league, wow. Jesus, it's uh, you know, it's it's amazing some of the things that you uh, some of the things that that you that you read uh, with with that uh, with the, with that release. Yeah. Uh, also, also, uh, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero he has reported that the Buccaneers will release Leonard Fournette which will officially pencil in Rashad White as the starting running back for 2023. And they don't appear to have a ton of resources to chase another running back. So uh, cutting Fournette will save about $3.5 million in cap space while adding another $5 million of dead money to their cap. And wow. Yeah, it looks, looks like uh, Fournette will likely find another uh, – will likely find another home elsewhere, but it will not be with the Buccaneers. Yeah, he's been slowing down a little bit. White, White's really electrifying, a lot younger and a lot less expensive uh, options. So they're moving on to uh, to White. I would not be surprised if he's not the last – I wouldn't be surprised if he's the last uh, – or if he's not the last Tampa Bay Buccaneer to leave. Yeah, not be surprised at all. Yeah, they're resetting everything in Tampa. They're moving on. Yeah, they might be cleaning house. Uh, you might see Godwin, and you might see Mike Evans potentially get moved as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I would not be surprised at all. Uh, nope. Also, it looks like potentially uh, they may be re- – or Major League Soccer may be – uh, approaching closer to a deal with Lionel Messi. For wow. real? Who? For real? What Lionel Messi. What, Lionel Messi. What team? What team? Uh, I know. I know. Inter, looks like Inter Miami. Figures. Wow. Okay. 
as uh, MLS Commissioner Don Garber has said that the league has flexibility on a potential deal with Lionel Messi. Bring him to New York. So, and from what it sounds like, it sounds like Messi, uh, if he were to come to Inter Miami, he could acquire a 35% stake in ownership as part of the deal. Or actually, for any team that acquires him, it may it may have to uh, it may have to include uh, a partial ownership stake within that club. Yeah, but I just wish he would have come over our way. But I know he's got a vacation house there, and you know, part time what a part time resident there. So it does make sense to him for go to Miami, and of course, there's a lot of uh, many fans out there. So yeah, it does it does add up. But it's disappointing to us Red Bulls fans. We're still waiting for our first title, but the Upstart team won back in 2021. I'm not wow. going to say the name. But still, though, it's very, it's still, it still would be very surprising though if he ends up. If MLS is able to acquire a player the likes of him, and from what it sounds like, it sounds like he would get similar to the type of deal that Cristiano Ronaldo signed with uh, with Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. which would be a pretty player. massive deal. You got the top wow. two players right in the world. I mean, where he's making he's making. Uh, I forget how much per year to play, but I mean it's like a massive, a massive contract uh, yeah. in terms of money. So, uh, but anyways, uh, that's gonna about do it uh, for us tonight uh, for the yeah, show. Yeah. A a little uh, a little note for Survivor fans: uh, the Survivor Forty Four recap podcast every Thursday night at nine p.m. Eastern. Uh, we will be back next week for Sports Whispers Weekly. Uh, obviously, you know I have nothing. I have nothing coming up. So next week we will definitely be back. Uh, thank yeah. you to Lou. Thank you to Alex, and thank you to thank Diane you. for also joining me tonight. Uh, you me too. Yep. Uh, we will be back. We will be back next week. Uh, so. If you haven't done so yet, anybody who listened to tonight's show, you can go to blogtalkradio.com slash AE or subscribe on iTunes, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and any of our other major sites. So uh, with that being said, have a great rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next Saturday night.